Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Boys Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 63 of the Big Show Summit Forcer Based Podcast and coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Wednesday. In this wacky world. Oh, crazy, crazy. I was on, I, I made the mistake, folks, once again. I was on social media and I scrolled. Oh, don't scroll. You just get mad. Common sense is gone. But we're not going to talk about that. Today, I have a really cool interview for you. It is with Steve Adams. And uh, yeah, Steve was a great guest. And he is the owner-operator of the Inside Edge Hockey Development in Edmonton, as well as a former pro hockey player. And he played junior in uh, Billings and Fort McMurray and Milton, and uh, then went on and played pro in Nashville and Las Vegas before they had NHL teams. And uh, he had some run-ins with some interesting minor league characters, and uh, and it was a good and it was a fun talk. And I was glad to. Uh, to finally get Steve on, him and I had gone back and forth for a while now. I think even on my old platform, I had talked to him and about coming on. And uh, nope, finally made it happen. And uh, no, he was a great guest. And uh, I think I found the one. Well, I was going to say Sean McMorrow too, but I was going to say I think I found a, a, a fellow a guest that could talk more than me. I can tell you, Steve could talk the ears off a brass monkey. You know, he was wearing me out. No, that's exactly what you want from a guest, right? In the podcast, but uh, no, I kid, I kid. No, he was a great guest. I had lots of fun talking to him, and uh, like I always say with a lot of these interviews, when you get going with these guys and you, you know, you're uh, you're listening to the stories and BS, and then it's like, you know, I could have uh, sat there and talked uh, all night. So, but uh, so I am not going to do this a very long intro because this is a very long interview, and. Uh, like I said, uh, going forward, I'd really like to, uh, you know, as I said, make Wednesday my interview show, whether it be with a player or a fellow fight fan or what have you, and then Sunday is a little shorter episodes, and that's uh, kind of my, uh, my, my potpourri, my rambling, my, my yelling out the window pot episodes. Uh, this past one, I, on Sunday, I talked about Jake Paul versus Evander Kane and minor league guys getting overlooked and that type of thing. And, uh, but yes, like I said, this is, uh, 63 episodes. Uh, if, if this is the first time you're listening, I encourage you to go back and check out the back catalog. Um, I have talked to John Morasti, Joey Tedarenko, Steve McIntyre, Josh Mazur, Clark Wilm, Roman Volpat, on and on, and uh, and uh, I think you would, uh, I think you really enjoy those if you go back and uh, and give them a listen. Also, as I said, being a member of the uh, podcast network, there's a 
40 other shows on there. Uh, so whatever team, every NHL team is represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, uh, there is a show for you. And of course, with the NHL announcing today that they're uh, planning a, what is a 56 game schedule or something, and I think it's starting up in mid-January, so that got everybody fired up. And uh, yeah, so I mean, that'll be happening. So I imagine the, obviously all the, the network podcast will be uh, hit and record. So, uh, and also Terry Ryan is on the network. Uh, you know, we all know Terry. Um, he's on his big book tour right now. Uh, so, uh, Fights, Film, and Folklore, his second book. Uh, I would encourage you. Mine is in the mail on the way here. And I'm looking forward to it. Like I always say, if it's half as good as his first book, we're in for a treat. Um, his first book, if you have not read it, Tales of a First Round Nothing. <clears throat> one of the, honestly, one of the best hockey books I've ever read. Funny, tells great stories. Uh, highly recommend checking that out, picking it up. You won't be disappointed. <clears throat> and he's got a good podcast. Uh, for my off podcast, folks, uh, Joe Lazito with the Coliseum Chronicles. Of course, he does the uh, New York Islanders Tough Guys. Um, and he's had Mick Fakoda, Aaron Asham, Jason Strudwig, on and on. Uh, he recently uh, is doing a seasons episode where he discusses, where he breaks down a, a certain player's, like a certain year in their career. <coughs> And uh, this past one uh, was Eric Goddard. Um, the actual year is escaping me. 2010? I don't. I can't remember. Um, but it, uh, it was, it's a lot of fun to uh, you know you go back and you break it down and see who they fought and and uh, if any incidents or what led up to it and that. And Joe does a great job. And I'm, I've often said that uh, I'm, I'm not going to steal his idea. I'm going to borrow it. You know, but uh, obviously I won't do an Islander player, but uh, I don't know, I'm looking into it. I, I was just talking to Alec, actually, and the, I think it would be kind of fun to do, uh, like Alec suggested, a, uh, a season breakdown, but like a, do a roundtable, and, you know, and that way you can hear a lot of different different um, opinions on it. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, definitely an idea, something to have in the back pocket, but... Uh, yeah, so that, and then of course Alec, as I mentioned, over at the Five for Fighting podcast, he is back in the saddle after a couple months off, after battling COVID and moving and weddings and everything else. Um, yeah, he's back at her. In fact, he is interviewing someone tonight, and uh, I won't, I'll let him announce that, but uh, so, uh, no, it's good to see him back in the game. So, and also Shane over at the History of Hockey, um, and Dan, Paul, and Kelly at the Obey the Puck show. And Fred and Dave at the Slewfoot Show. I know, a couple current shows. But I like those people, so that's why I pump their tires. Speaking of tires, are you in the market for tires? You know, it's snow, winter. you got to have your winter tires. Or just a patch. Plug. Fill your rims. Fill your rims. Fix your rims. What have you. If you were in the Lloydminster area, check out Fountain Tire. Owned and operated by Kent Staniforth. Former guest on here. And uh, Kent is a great dude, and uh, like I said, if you're around the Lloydminster area and you need tires, definitely check out Fountain Tire, and uh, go in there, tell them Darren sent you from the fourth line voice. Like I always say, I don't really know what that'll do for you. I don't know, probably nothing. But if Kent's there, ask him Ask him to tell you some old WHL stories. He's got He's got lots. And if not, at least check out his interview on this, uh, on this podcast. I can't remember what episode it was, but he was a great guest. And uh, he told some good Babcock stories and uh, taking on the toughest of the tough in the Western Hockey League in the early 90s. So, but no, seriously though, if you need, you're buying the tires anyway, why not help uh, support local, support Kent, he's a great guy, Lloydminster, Fountain Tire, 
do it. Go for it. Other than that, uh, like I said, this interview is uh, fairly lengthy, so uh, I will uh, I will save my ranting and raving for Sunday. But uh, other than that, guys, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter. If you're a social media person, if you are not, if you're not, and you want to get a hold of me for whatever reason, and you're not on Twitter, and you're like. Um, Hockey fights at hotmail.com. Yes, I still have a Hotmail account. Well, I have numerous accounts, but I just like that one because it's hockey fights, all one word. Hockey fights at hotmail.com. Drop me a com. If you're not on Twitter, drop me a comment, suggestion, pitch. If you have fight pictures or a hockey picture that you want, I'd love to see it. Share it. If you want to come on the show, drop me a line. Tell me your story. Whatever. If you have old footage, please let me know. Yes, I, I love I love hearing from you people. So you people, some people got fired for saying that, but um, choking on air here, <clears throat> you know, a little dust bunny here. But um, yes, uh, hockey fights at Hotmail. If you have anything to say, suggestion, uh, gripe, complaint, compliment, whatever, send it to me. Also, fourth line voice on YouTube. Over twenty two hundred fight videos from junior to pro. Any league you're looking for, they're all sort of just typing in the little search thing. Boom, it'll come up. OHL, WHL, NHL, whatever you want. And uh, subscribe. Hit the little... Uh, that way, as soon as I upload a fight, you'll get notified. You won't miss a single punch. And uh, whatever platform you're listening to this show on, could you rate and review my show? It helps me out in the searches. And uh, it would just be a nice thing to do. Like I always say, you're going there to download it anyway. Actually, if uh, say you're a, if you're a Spotify listener... Um, sub- I'm sure most do, but maybe just subscribe to Fourth Line Voice on Spotify. That way, the moment it's uploaded, you'll be notified. Because um, a lot of times, I've talked to some people and they just like wait for my tweet or whatever. Don't do that because sometimes I don't I don't tweet out about it until like I get home at night and it's already been out for like tw- ten or eleven hours out on Spotify already. So um, yeah, just. Whatever platform, just subscribe and you'll get instant notification when it's uploaded. Because uh, there's uh, usually it gets uploaded kind of mid morning, so uh, yeah, you'll have it for your cubicle. So uh, you can eat your cheese sandwich with your headphones on, and you don't have to listen to Martha uh, talking about uh, her cat's rash or what have you. So uh, yeah, I'm just trying to do you guys a favor here. So, <laughs> but uh, no, thank you very much for tuning in. And uh, how about we get to Steve here? I think you guys will really like this interview. I had a lot of fun talking to Steve. He's a good dude, and hopefully we can do it again. But uh, all right, guys, I will talk to you again on Sunday. But here is my talk with Steve Adams. Thanks, guys. All right, here we are on the fourth line voice, and my guest from Edmonton, the the owner operator of the Inside Edge Hockey Development School, and a former minor league tough guy and junior player, uh, Steve Adams. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you been? Excellent. Thank you very much for uh, for coming Good. on the show here. Oh, my pleasure, man. My uh, pleasure. I know we've been kind of going back and forth there on Twitter about setting this up, and uh, no, I'm glad <laughs> to finally get you on here and. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I, uh, well, I definitely want to get into, uh, obviously, talking about uh, uh, your work with, uh, you know, the, the kids today and the, at uh, Inside mm-hmm. Edge, and we'll do all that. But first, let's see, we're, we're yeah. going to hear the story of Steve here. Um, where, where did you uh, grow up playing your minor hockey and, uh, and all that? Let's hear that story. Well, I was born in Montreal in 75, and then uh, basically... We moved to Sarnia, and I started playing hockey in Sarnia for two years, and then we moved to Red Deer in 1980. 
and then I, I grew up for my formative years um, in Red Deer. And then the day of the Wayne Gretzky trade, actually, we moved to Edmonton. So we moved here in 88. And then outside of playing in the minors and junior, this has been my, this has been my home for, you know, since 88, really. And, uh, so I, I played all my peewee and bantam, the second year peewee, bantam and midget here. And then, uh, junior, uh, in the AJBC, Sask, Ontario, like I played everywhere. So that that's basically the genesis of how I started. Well, there you go. Well, and I well, you talk about junior here. I know in your your first year junior, I uh, went searching for this. It was in the American West Hockey League, in with the yep. Billings Bulls. Is that correct? Yep, it is. Uh, yeah, I got gassed out of Red Deer. Uh, I got tonsillitis in Red Deer, and I couldn't talk. And um, I got gassed out of there, and then I was originally signed with Fort Saskatchewan Traders in the AJ. And I didn't want to play there. The coach didn't like players like me at the time. He wanted a lot more skill. So um, they put they they did a trade with what is now the Spruce Grove Saints, but then it was the St. Albert Saints in the AJ. And uh, <clears throat> but they wanted a lot for me, and and. Uh, so I ended up uh, getting a call from a buddy of mine, and and he goes, "Yeah, I've, I'm down in uh, in Billings in the America West League, which I guess now is the North American League, or Billings went to the North American League a few years later." Yep. And uh, Bliss Littler, who coaches Wenatchee, was the coach, and he goes, "The buddy goes, yeah, the coach is looking for a tough guy, and I'm having nothing but trouble with with getting getting going here out of." Uh, out of uh, my rights out of Fort Sask at the time. So I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Let's go. Took, I always took hockey as an adventure. Like, let's go to places I may never go again. Like, I never had a fascination of playing at home and living at home. That never that never interested me whatsoever. Like, I wanted to go experience out on your own and kind of that maturity level that it takes. But uh, so I went down there. My mom, my mom and dad talked to the coach and, you know, it was insurance and health insurance and all that stuff. But got down there and it was, you know, it was a different time because it was after, like, I got down there on a Thursday. We practiced and then, and then we practiced again on Friday in the morning and we had a game that night. And at the end of practice, the coach brings us all in. He goes, okay, you guys are playing tonight. And he goes to about eight of the guys and he goes, I want to see you fight in the third. And I want to see you fight in the third. And I want to see you fight in the second. And you fight in the third. And, and, uh, and he points to me with Adams. I'm like, coach, you put me on the ice. I'm going to fight. You didn't, I didn't drive down here to, to get on your power play. And Bliss looks at the guys and goes, guys, that's what I'm looking for. That's the kind of attitude I'm looking for. I'm like, okay, so so I don't I don't know if Bliss will ever admit to that because I, again, don't want to get him in that much trouble, but it did happen, and that's fine. That was just the way it was back then, yeah, right, yeah. And and then uh, so we got into our first game on Friday, and and then uh, that night, and Jeff Partridge, who was a tough kid, kind of like a like a Rick Tockett type player, and he ended up breaking his skate lace, and they're like, okay. Somebody's got to go out, and this is just before face-off, first face-off. And, 
And uh, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even look at the coach. I just hop the bench. They go into the go line up right wing, and and the coach is like, okay, well here we go. My buddy that got me on the team or mentioned it to the coach that I might be available. She's sitting with our new billet, who has never seen a game of hockey in her life, and she is sitting about twelve feet, sitting first row by the glass, right right in front of me. So she's like right up against the glass. So she is not very far from me. And my buddy's like, yeah, that's 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 going to be the guy that's going to move in with us. She's like, oh, okay. So I line up against this kid, big kid, 6'2 kid. Right? And I'm like, okay, we're going to go. He's like, where? What? We're going to fight. Why? No, the puck's going to drop. We're going to fight. Yeah, but why? What do you mean, why? Where the fuck are you from? Like, Illinois? I'm like, you don't fight in Illinois hockey? He's like, no. I'm like, listen, two things are going to happen here. The puck's going to drop, and then I'm going to beat the ever-living piss out of you. And just as he starts to ask why for the fifth time, the puck drops, I drop my gloves, and I absolutely just murder this poor kid. Right? So, so it's a one-fight rule, which was junior A at that time everywhere, yep. which is fine. So I get kicked out. So the, the linesman comes over. We're in our practice week. So it's one side it's not really well designed but to get out if you get kicked out of the game to get out you have to go through the visitors box right the players box there's no gate right it's insane so the lines is like okay we're gonna go with the, the the short side of the box to walk you down the tunnel or whatever i'm like no 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 we're going through the whole team right <laughs> so we open up the gate the forward gate and we go all the way to the team and the coaches are yelling and the players are going to fucking kill you. You're junk. And I'm like, hey, we're playing again tomorrow, ladies. Anytime you want to go, just dial me up. And so I walked through the gate and walked through the team. Now, you got to remember, my mom and I drove to get from Edmonton to Billings driving with my mother is about a 14-hour venture, right? Yep. I can do it in about nine hours, right? It's like, holy mother of God. So we end up, so I get I get changed. I played a total of two seconds. I get kicked out, and there's about 900, 1,000 people watching, and and, and I'm like, oh, man, you know what? I got to apologize to mom. So I quickly take my skates off, take my top half off, and and I, and I go running out to see my mom. I'm like, mom, I'm so sore. But on the way, I sign, like, there's a bunch of young kids, right? And they don't know a lot about hockey. And they haven't had hockey in Billings since, I think, 82 when the Billings Bighorns were there. Yep. In the Western League. And I'm signing these autographs and all this. And my mom, being the wonderful person she is, She's helping the team take tickets at the front door. And, okay, <laughs> fine. And so I go to my mom, like, Mom, she's like, I knew that was you. I'm like, Mom, I'm so sorry. She's like, do not lie to me at all. You are not sorry, and you love this. <laughs> so, so I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. She's like, yeah, don't lie to me. Okay, go, go get changed. I don't know what you have to do now. I'm like, yeah, but I'm busy. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. So I walk back, I get changed. In the first intermission, the coach from the other team is like, he walks by me and I'm standing there in my suit or whatever. And, and uh, my $99 uh, Moore's suit, you get 99 bucks, you get three. Yep. Right? 
yep. elite suit, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Can't stain it. It just it's shiny, but not like mob style shiny. It's kind of cool. It's just shiny. It's the bad kind of shiny, like you can't get an open flame to it kind of shiny. So the guy, the coach walks by and he's like, "You Adam?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, you know, this league doesn't need hot dogs. It's like that's okay. I prefer hamburgers, coach. Looks at me, goes, "Tomorrow you're going to get it." Well, aren't we going to fucking see? <laughs> so, you know, goes through that. Coach comes in. He's like, "Hey, that was awesome, great first intermission. Okay, no problem." Our owner is like 25, 26 years old. Bliss at that time, our head coach was like 28. Right? We did not have an old ownership group. So, the the owner comes up and goes, "Hey, come on upstairs. Bring your mom." Okay. So my mom and I go upstairs. He goes, hey, we're going to be on the news because the news is filming. I said, okay. So the news comes up after commercial. And he's like, oh, I wonder where we're going to be on the news show. So after uh, a cheer competition, uh, junior high girls volleyball, um, an elementary school soccer match. Oh, and this came in from the Billings Bulls. There's apparently a fight going on or a hockey game. We're not quite sure. <laughs> So, okay, so on the pecking order, we are after cheer, volleyball, elementary school soccer. This is where we are in the pecking order. I'm like, look at the owner and go, either I got to fight a whole bunch more or we got to score more goals. I don't know what's going to sell more tickets. He's like, just do both. I'm like, well, I'll do one, and then we'll see about the other. So it was probably the most fun I've ever had in junior um, anywhere. Well, and, you guys uh, did end up winning the championship, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, like we did, uh, like we were, we were good, right? Like we had a couple guys go D one. Um, like we we had a lot of good players, and, and Bliss was a tremendous coach, and we had great ownership, and like we we were a first class organization. But the, I've never been on a team that close before in my life. And, like, I'm friends. Like, I don't have a lot of friends in hockey. There's guys I know and, you know, guys, but, like, real friends. I got, like, one guy I talk to constantly out of the minors and then, like, six, seven guys out of junior. And most of those guys play on that team. And, you know, that it's a really close-knit team. And, and a lot of times I wasn't around long enough to make a lot of, a lot of relationships with, with players yeah. uh, and friendships. But that was something where none of us were from the area. Everybody was from somewhere else. And we all kind of had the same mindset, right? And, and that was a big thing. And, you know, everybody, everybody respected everybody's job. Like, it wasn't just, you know, me and um, uh, Chad Richard and Archer, Dan Archer, fighting all the time. We had, I think, everybody on that team had at least one fighting major, right? Oh, like, it, it Chad, was Chad Richard was on that team. Yep. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was a, that's Dan a large, Archer. That's a large human. That he, he he's, his head, I think, weighs about sixty-five pounds. Yep. Right. But the the probably pound for pound, the toughest kid we had on that team was Dan Archer, guy you've never heard of. He's passed now. Um, but we got him when he was 16 and I don't even know how he came across the board. I didn't know how any of that worked, 
but he's the only guy I know that got kicked out of a Western League camp in the 90s for fighting too much. In one game, he fought 22 times <laughs> in a inter-squad inner, inner game. Nice. And they, they, his first fight, I watched him get six hard, straight, like straight punches, dead center in the middle of the face, like right to the nose and bridge of the nose. He just, he didn't even, like he didn't move, right? Like his head didn't move on it. So he just picked him up like Hulk Hogan style and picked him up in a body slam. The guy was 210 pounds. Archer is 215 at 16. Picked him up and basically put him into a body slam i look at the coach this is the kid's first game I look at bliss and i'm like i don't i don't know what the hell that was but that was impressive to do that on skates like they it was it was an incredibly tough team kenny frolic was tough right a former portland list ryan oscar you know travis rachinsky like there was a lot of like we were big tough and the coach would be like Bliss would be like, let's not just beat him on the scoreboard. Let's beat him in the alley. Because he understood. That's how you sold tickets, right? Apparently, that's how you, you're, win, you're that's how you win championships, too, apparently. We do. Like, I think after Christmas, I think after Christmas, we went something like 21-1-1. and Like, it was insane. Like, we would, like, I have a video of us. We're beating a team like 6-2 or 6-1. And there's about four minutes left in the third period, and there's still like three thousand fans in the attendance. Richards goes out and beats beats the wheels off a guy, and then I go out and I try and jump in the other team's bench. Right, we're up by five six goals. Who does that now? Right, yeah. like it was it was, but the coach didn't punish us for it. Right, yeah, you know like. We'd have a line brawl, like my line, because we're fourth line guys. We'd have a line brawl based on the fact that if we were hungry, <laughs> how hungry are you guys? I am starving. <laughs> well, you guys want to start something? We had a little five foot seven defense or center, Mike Lorenz, and he would skate around, could skate like the wind, and he'd just go stick a guy right in the face. <laughs> yep. It's a line brawl. All right, we all get kicked out, and we go grab some hot dogs and hamburgers and grab some popcorn, and, you know, that, that was what we did, right? Like, it was a different time. It wasn't, we weren't there to score goals, right? Like, it was just, we were there to sell tickets, right? Yeah. And that's what we did. Well, obviously, the and town... we don't really have that anymore. No, we don't. And, I mean, obviously, the town took to you, because it sounds like you were drawing huge yeah. numbers, so... We, we, we were, we were, we were like, we played in, in the Metro Center that held seven, eight thousand, and we were getting, oh, we were getting three to five thousand. Um, and we played, you know, we played one game a week during the week, and then if we played a Tuesday, we played Saturday, or we played Friday, Saturday. And, uh, but on Friday, Saturday, that's where you went, right? Like you, you, you'd have to go, We'd have to go a little bit later. We'd start almost at like eight o'clock, so people go to the high school football game on Friday, yep. and then and then come to our game, right? Because high school football started like five thirty or whatever, and then went to seven forty-five or whatever it was, and then we would play after it, right? But Saturdays we would draw, unbelievable, and it was it was insane. Like it was. It was it was it was the first class organization, and I think that's one of the biggest things is that it was run so well, 
Eric Bonanno and Richard Dow and those guys ran it so well that that they like players wanted to play there. Like it was nuts. We outdrew most Western Hockey League teams. Yeah. Yeah. And because they came from the Spokane Chiefs. And uh and they would have the attendance numbers from the Western League. We would draw outdraw Western Hockey League teams. Yeah. And uh, but our facility was great and you know, so that that really that really uh that really made a huge impact on it. Yeah. So and I and I think that's what sticks with us the most as players. Yeah. Well, some of the other teams in that league were, of course, were Bismarck, Jackson Hole, Ogden, Pikes Peak, yep. Vale, Casper, and Pueblo. Yep. Um, so, I mean, you're playing yep. a beautiful location. Um, you might have had some interesting yep. bus trips, though, in the middle of the winter. Oh, my gosh. That, they, we, had, we had a Vietnam bet one time, and he would have flashbacks, but the, uh, the bus ended up losing its, I don't know if it was suspension or shocks, but it was a sleeper bus. And it would rock the whole way. And he would be, it would be in the middle. We'd be in Colorado. We'd have 17, 18 hour bus trips, right? 20 hour bus trips easily. So what the guys, what we would do is we would grab the NyQuil green death flavor. There's no TVs. I mean, imagine now a kid going on a bus and there's no TVs. There's no, there's no iPads. There's no nothing, right? I don't know what these kids would do. So what we would do is you you get the hockey news and you you get all those things, right? But you know, the guys would play cards, like hours and hours and hours of cards. I never played cards, cards, but you know, you go, there's about 10 of us, 12 of us that would go grab like NyQuil, right? The green death flavor. And you would crush half a bottle, right? And so the bliss loved driving at night with our crazy ass driver and she would have flashbacks to Vietnam and talking about the attacks that they would do while he's driving the bus. And he would kind of move the bus with the store. I was like, Oh my God. He's like, we're not going to make it through. So you might as well just get knocked out cold with NyQuil. Like nobody felt any good, right? Like bus breaks down. You're stuck in the middle of nowhere. Nobody has a cell phone, right? Like, it was, they were, like, it was, if I eat at a Denny's one more time, because that's the only place we ate at, because it's the only place, or the Flying J. Oh, oh God. the Flying J. Right? Yeah. yeah, like, like, just, just, it was, it was garbage food, but it was, it was kind of funny, and, and it was, it was just, when I talk about first class organization, it was more out of a lack of options than it was anything else, right? Because, you, you know, you go to, you go to, like, Jackson Hole. Like, we stayed in, like, a five-star at the base of the ski hill at Jackson Hole. Yeah. Like, it was unreal. Like, we were, like, the Clampets invading. Like, no, nobody should have this many seven, 16 through 20-year-olds at this hotel. Like, it was nuts. And so, you know, like, you, you, you look at that, and you're just like, this is insane. Like we shouldn't be staying at this hotel. And you go back into the bus, and you're worried that you're going to roll and die, right? Like it was, it was insane amount of bus trips. But the amount of what you got to know about your players and the practical jokes and and all the crazy shit you do, like that brings a team together, yep. right? Yep. But yeah, there would be, you know. 
there would be like just you'd have conversations with kids because you can't be friends with all 20 guys or 22 guys or whatever but you can get into some weird conversations at two o'clock in the morning right you're the only two up right yep so you know and that that was kind of always the thing but when we had the when we had the vietnam vet bus driver it was literally like our owner would be white knuckled the whole trip he, he, you just hear him say about four or five minutes, just watch the road, just watch the road. <laughs> it was like, holy God, right? Like, it was it was terrifying, right? It was really, like, you actually thought that there is a possibility that this was not going to end well, right? And, uh, you know, and and, unfor- and for, fortunately for us, it, it was better. We, we I think we fought enough and we scored enough goals where fans came where we could actually fix the bus. So that was nice. Yeah, but yeah, it was. But you go to Denver, and we the coach would like we would go eat at uh, if we coach would have like guys we'll stop in Denver on our way home. If you guys win this series, we'll we'll eat at Hooters in Denver, which I think is one of the first ones. It's like two levels. It's insane, right? And we'll eat at Hooters, and it was like, oh man, you take a bunch of eighteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old kids into Hooters. That it was like. Now it's pretty common, but then it was so abnormal. It wasn't anywhere else at the time. But you go in there, and you're like, Jesus. Right? Like, it was insane. You know, it's like, okay, guys didn't even eat. You just look at Right? Yep. Like, what do you want? I don't know. Fries? We'll take fries. What do you got? I don't know. <laughs> right? And it was, it was nothing. It was like a cathedral. Yep. Right? So, but yeah, I mean, it was, but yeah, we would have, we'd have these crazy long bus trips. But I, I always find it fascinating. I tell kids about it now. And I'm like, yeah, we didn't have phones or video games or any of that. You had to talk to people. I'm like, oh, man, that would be terrible. I'm like, no, it's terrible what you do. <laughs> understand exactly. that. Yep. This is, you know, this is what coaches and, and people don't understand now is that these kids aren't friends. They're just, they're just passers in the, like, throughout the course of the season. They just, they just pass each other. They don't know any of them don't care right you're in your friend group you're in your chat group you're in that group you're not with your team so it's always it's always a little different yeah well so you win the championship and then uh yeah the following year you, you're you're back in alberta uh yeah in uh in fort mcmurray the oil barons yeah yeah um, Frank gal the coach yeah, and uh, leading scorer and for, and uh, future NHL player Harry York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. and uh, yeah, you guys had a pretty tough team. Uh, you had uh, yeah. Clarence Hull and Sean Halifax and Slade Stevenson. Yeah, and uh, Sean yep. uh, McFatridge. McFatridge. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And uh, um, I actually, what's what's crazy is I trained McFatridge's uh, nephew. Or he used to. He doesn't. He doesn't really play anymore. But I trained. Uh, I trained his nephew for for a couple of summers. So yeah, it comes full circle. So what the trick with that one is is that I was there. I wasn't there for for that long. Um, the same buddy that got me to Billings was playing in Vegas, and that's where I met your buddy uh, Kurt Walston. Yeah. So that's not on the hockey DB stuff. So you went so, from, you went from junior A in Billings to pro. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, 
Was it, what was because your team? Were you, Billings, the, were you the Vegas, what was it, Hot Dice or something? Uh, Aces, I believe. Aces. I have to take a look. I'm, I want to say, yeah, I would have went, because that would have been my 19-year-old year. Yeah. And then, yeah, so I went to Vegas. And then I went, so I played there for for the year, and or for the, the half the year. And then... And then uh, went down to base, which is awesome. It was a great experience. And then I went back to junior, yeah, because I was twenty yep. the following year. So yeah, I was in Vegas, and then and I was like, yeah, I'll go down there and play, and they're going to pay me, great, no problem. Well, right, and, it's and Vegas. Uh, that yeah, it was Vegas, right? Like it was, it was unbelievable. And like, again, how many times are you going to get to do that in your life, right? So you go and live there for four and a half, five months. Where did they? Uh, right? Where did you live when you were in Vegas? Uh, I had I lived with two other guys in an apartment. Okay. Well, so yeah, so so uh, I've got it. So it was the uh, if anybody, it's the Las Vegas Aces of the Pacific Southwest yep. Hockey League, and uh, yep. I'm just kind of looking. So yeah, Wally was there. And uh, uh, Gunner the Bounty Hunter Crosenberg. Um, yep. Wayne Van Dorp. Was he there when you were there? Yep. Okay. Yep. And as people will know this, oh, Mitch Wilson. Rest in peace, Mitch yep. Wilson. Jesus, uh, you guys had a tough team. Larry Melnick? Are you serious? Oh, yeah. And, yep. and yep. Uh, in that, Menom Rayom. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Well, now we yeah. can't just glo- we can't just gloss over this scene here with this crew. Okay, we're gonna break it down here. Uh, uh, I won't talk about Wall. He'll get mad at me if we talk about him. He'll get mad. Yeah. But uh, uh, well, let's start with Mitch Wilson. Um, and and uh, Van Dorp and and Melnick and those guys. How like I mean, those guys are all in their uh, early to mid thirties at that point. Um, how were they yeah. to you guys? Were they cool? You know what? Like I was, I was really young, so I was nineteen. Yeah, right. Um, uh, Van Dorp was really good. Like he was, he was the um, like, like he understood like, like he was understanding of what his life was and what he was doing, and this was kind of fun for him, right? But he he took a big big leadership role in that, and. And and was really good to the young guys, not just me, but there's there's a bunch of guys just you know like teaching you little things, right? And like little pro tips, not just on the ice, but off the ice as well. And uh, you know, and that that was that was one of the cool things. Um, Melnick was Melnick was there, but you know he kind of did his own thing a little bit, yeah, which was fine. That was that was. That was his. That was just his personality. Um, but yeah, like a lot of them were were unbelievable guys, and uh, they were they were just good good people to deal with on a daily basis, and they just made you better, right? And 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 they really they would tell you what's good and what's bad, and. And they would, they'd really focus in on as a young player, helping you really not get into the bad, um, the bad decisions that you know they've they seen either themselves do, 
or um, or could see you possibly going down that road, yeah. right? And uh, so that that was a really like it was kind of your first taste of what like real pros do, right? Yeah. And how they act and and how they they manage them themselves, which was really cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, because that, yeah, and that, yeah, and that league ended up becoming what what would now be the like the West Coast League. Yeah. Right. Yep. As we go to Bakersfield, we go to all those places in Fresno and all like that. That was basically the inception of the the West Coast Hockey League. That's a nice winter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was great. Like, and that's the thing. Would you rather be in Fort McMurray or Vegas at nineteen? Exactly. February. You know. December through, you know, February, March, right? Like, it was, it was just such a surreal place at the time. And it wasn't what Vegas is now either. It was still cheap. Yeah. And it was still good. And they, they, they gave away things. It isn't what you see now. Yep. Right. Yep. And, uh, you know, that, that, that was kind of the interesting part. Yeah. Did you get along with Wally? When I go, uh, yeah, yeah. As long as you're willing to sit at the blackjack table, yeah, yeah. you're always good. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like you gotta, you, you know, you gotta, and, and you gotta take Wally with a bit of a grain of salt, right? And I've and I've and I've kept in touch with Kurt when he was. I've sent him players when he was coaching in BMJ, and and you know I've always tried to help him out with with players. I, one of my favorite players is playing for him right now in Dryden. Um, I think he's one of their top players, so. You know, and that—that's the thing. I always loved Kurt, and you know, and he, and but he was a good pro too, right? Like, yeah, he, he would try and you know, he'd try and mature you as a young guy, and and give you, you know, he 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 keep you honest on things, right? Yeah. And especially for me, trying to kind of learn the the pro fight game, right? He was a great a great help to that because you can talk to Wayne Van Dorp all you want, but he is just so genetically superior about yeah. it. He yeah. can't relate to somebody in my position. Where Kurt's not, you know, he's not a monster. No. Right? So, so Kurt was, Kurt was great on that. Right? Yep. So, you know, and that, so yeah, I always got along. I always got along with him on that. So, and I've always enjoyed my time, uh, uh, talking to Kurt and kind of, and he's one of those guys that you never forget. Right? No, no. He's yeah. He's definitely there's a he's got a, a way a gruffness about him. But uh, you know, at, at first you're kind of like holy shit, you know. But once you get talking yeah. to him and stuff, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, once no. you get through the first ten minutes, yeah, then it's great. Yeah, right. You just got to get through the first ten. That's all. Yeah, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, and then uh, well, was Gunner there when you were there, Rosenberg? Yeah. 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 Yeah, again, another, another tough, another, like, it's just, it's so long ago, right? And, yep. but again, being a really young guy and not being 21 and all that, it makes, like, so a lot of my interactions with those guys would be, because we didn't all live at the same place, right? So it isn't like now, um, you you look at it and you're just like, geez, right? Like guys are all in the same compound. You're all like most of you live in the exact same building. We were spread out all over Vegas, right? Yeah. 
in Vegas was in Vegas is huge, right? It's an hour to drive around town, right? And and so you you a lot of my a lot of my a lot of my work with players was was really like at the rink, and but it was the gunner was great. Like all like most of the guys were really really good, and but again I'm 19 and these guys are you know some of them are late late 20s early early 30s mid 30s you know it's like how much time do you got for a kid like me right and i just want to drink it in right i just want to literally watch what they're doing right yeah. i just want to i just want to kind of you know like walston would work on some fighting techniques right um a lot, a lot they would do that a lot right and we practice fighting after so for a young player like me though that's going to be my ticket anywhere that's what i got to do Right, I got to learn from these guys. Learn, learn what they do, and then how they do it, and then when to apply it. Right? Because is it the same mantra as junior, where I could go out and kind of do anything, versus me going and you know in pro, like you have to pick your spots better. Right. So learning that portion as well, right, was really big, and they all helped me with that. Yeah, well, one of, of course. What before we go back to junior here? One of, obviously that I, I mentioned her was uh, Maynome Rayom. Uh, did how was it, what were your? Yeah. And of course that had to be a big deal. You know, the first female playing pro hockey and Absolutely. all that. Obviously, the you know that was well. I remember it was being a big deal. Um, what was your interactions with her like, and and what was she like overall? She's very quiet. She's small. Like I didn't realize how tiny she is. Um. But she's really, really small. They, they, it was, I, I, I thought she would have been, I thought she would have been a lot bigger. Uh, but, uh, she, she's very polite. Um, she had a, I, I don't want to use the term arrogance about her, but it was like a, what am I doing here kind of thing? Like, like almost like a showpiece, right? I'm not a hockey player, I'm a showpiece. Right, and I get that, and you are, right? Um, certainly as a fighter, you, you get to kind of have that too, right? You're not there to win the game, right? You're, you're, you're there to sell tickets primarily. Um, the secondary is, is protect your, protect your teammates, but really it's, you can protect your teammates all you want, but if you're not drawing fans, you, nobody's getting paid, right? Yep. Um, but yeah, she was like, she was very nice. I didn't find her to be an exceptional goalie, right? Um, she was fine. I mean, she. You, I wouldn't put her in a game seven, right? But well, you're, see, you're you're being right? polite about it. I've talked to people. They're like, she sucked. Yeah, like there's midget. Yeah, I, I, no, I don't want to be. You know what? As a dad of a of a of a female hockey player who does not play goal, I don't want my daughter listening to this and going. Dad, you hate girls hockey. I don't, but she wasn't very good. She well, was. I mean, that's just the way. It uh, was. That's just the way it is, and, and, that's, and, that's, and, it, and it is the way it is. Yeah, right? I mean, and it, and it's I, something hey, where, uh, hey, if a, if a female you, can play, you can play. I'm not knocking you, but I'm just saying, yeah, that's the word. And that you look at the numbers, she wasn't very yeah. good. So no, no, she wasn't, and, and and she wasn't, and that's and that's kind of the thing, right? Like she's. You know, but she she was she was nice, and but she didn't hang out with us, right? She didn't interact with us. She would show up. She lived at 
she lived at the hotel where we practiced at. Um, so we never really saw her, right? She never, she, she was just kind of, it was like, I don't want to get to know any of you. And like, I'm doing this for a month or whatever it was, whatever the contract was. And that was it. Right. So that was, that was kind of the, the genesis of like, that, that's kind of how that, that's my recollection of her. I remember saying like, basically my recollection is this. <clears throat> I said hello to her. I still remember the day I said hello to her on her first day of practice. And I remember saying goodbye to her. And that is probably the most any of us ever talked to her. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. That's her. If she wants to live her life like that, that's fine. Who who am I to judge? Yeah. 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 You know, it is what it is. But she was, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, okay. I thought it was almost one of those things where I thought you'd be better. Right? Like, you know, again, she wasn't the starter for the Team Canada and the Olympics or anything like that either, right? Yeah, and I mean, you know, and like I said, again, we're not uh, we're not knocking women's hockey at all. I'm quite a big supporter no. of women's hockey or anything. I'm just yeah. simply saying the stats say, and their performance <laughs> yeah. shows that she just was not that very good at those levels. But I mean, like I would think now going further, like uh, what was the? Oh, her name's escaping me. What was the last? Zabados. Shan Zabados. Yeah, yeah. like I, I, I she, coached Zabados, and it, yeah, she was very good. Yes, she was very good. Yes, um, she was. She was very good. There's. And there's a, and there's a few of them that that are right, but Shannon, Shannon was very good, yeah, right. And uh, I had her like when I was with Bonneville, she played for us, and and I've I've had buddies coach her when she was at the Maple Leaf Athletic Club, and quick legs and covers a lot of the net and is highly athletic, right. Yeah. Manon was much more of a stand up goalie. Right, yeah. but when you're only five four, five five, it's it's hard, yeah. right? Not a lot of, but at the like Vernon, you know, but at yeah. the same time, she was a trailblazer for sure, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, definitely, and uh, no, and like I said, all the props to her for doing it, but uh, at the end of the day, yep. there was the results just weren't there, so yep. But all right, enough. We we won't bash females anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'll t- I'm going to take some. I'm going to take heat on this. Steve had nothing to do with that. That was yep. me, and I'm, we're yep. not. But someone's going to interpret that I was. But all right. Oh, I know. I'm waiting for that one. Yeah, uh, I'm going to get shit on on Twitter. But that's all right. We're used to it. But yeah. uh, so at Wall, so you leave the bright lights of Sin City and you go back to Junior. Oh man, you go yep. back from Vegas back to Fort McMurray. That's a, we're talking about a kick in the nuts. Yep. All right, but, but yeah. I mean, but it you have a, to have at this point though. You have to have a lot of confidence though. Oh, tons. Like, to the point where I actually don't want to be playing. Like, I'm coming back, and this is... Like, I think... I want to say Hockey DB got it wrong with my penalty minutes. Because I think... Because, again, it's still a one-fight rule. Yeah. I don't ever recall not fighting in a game. So, I, like... like, if, like it's, it was one of those things where, again, they... Playing for Fran Gal was my was my coach. Like I didn't have to, like I didn't have to go to practice really, right? Like I didn't have to. I, like, I certainly didn't go for power play practice, and but I wasn't really. I was more. I was like a showpiece, right? You go out and fight, and that's what you do, right? Yeah. And um, well, I'm going to throw some names and, at you that were in that league. Yeah. That we'll see. If, yep. Obviously, I didn't have your fight card, so uh, I'll throw yep. names at you that the uh, listeners will yep. know, and we'll see if you tangled with them. 
Um, well, first of all, there's this guy. I asked Waltz about it. Well, Chris Waltz. There's one name. He was in Fort yep. Saskatchewan. Yep. Do you ever fight yep. Waltzy? Uh, Fort Saskatchewan. Oh. If I do, if I did, I don't remember. Okay. But probably. But uh, yeah. there, there's a guy that played for Calgary that put up obscene minutes for three years. Alex Halat. Uh, yeah, Alex, yeah. Yeah, because he was, um, let's see. I mean, you're going back on me. Because I don't, I, I got to get you to tell me where you find all this stuff. Because that is unbelievable. Because, uh, how do you spell the last name? H A L A T. Played for the Calgary. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You played for the Calgary. Yeah, Calgary Royals. Royals. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. For the one year, he had four hundred thirteen. The next year, the next year was a slow year at three forty three, and then he got really ramped up again and went five thirty seven, which I believe is the AJ record. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I believe. Yeah, because I'm trying to think if. Sheldon, Wenzel, and Brooks beat it. Uh, Sheldon, Wenzel, and Brooks may have beaten that. Uh, but yes, I know I fought him in the Calgary Royals. Um, I mean, tough, tough. He was, he was one of those guys that would go out and he would take seven seven minors, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and he's, he wasn't a huge, he's not a huge guy, no. right? He's just a, he was, he was like Pat Verbeek. He's just a ball of hate. Right. Yep. And he threw. He could throw both hands, but if you had reach on him, he would struggle. But he was what I call a hyper mover, so he'd move around in your fights a lot. Yep. So he it was almost like he boxed, and I would imagine he did. Um, but he could play. Like yeah, he, he, he wasn't like he was a bad player, but nobody would go fucking near him. Yep. Right. People were like, oh my god, he's crazy. He's this. He's that. I'm like, okay. I mean, sometimes the reputation helps, right? Absolutely. Um, well, but yeah, no, he he could fight. Like he he could throw. He threw straight, so he would he kind of duck and then throw straight at you. And but he could do it from both sides, which made him which which made it a like it was a hard target to hit constantly. So you had to go in knowing what you're going to do. But he didn't fight for like he didn't want long long fights, right? Yeah. He tried to get in. He wanted because he needed to get inside. To throw straights at him and move, right? If you get him out, he can't t- he can't touch you, right? Yeah. So, and I was more of a what I call a long fighter. So I would, I would, my some of my fights would last two minutes, right? And I never had a problem with that. And then uh, um, it was it was the but he he could he could scrap, but he, he would take before he would fight he'd take ten minutes in in minors, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and a couple it, other, it, 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 and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. a couple other names: Saint yeah. Albert. Of course, they had the skill. They had Fernando Persani and uh, Steve Reinbrecht yep. that went on to obviously play in the NHL. Yep. But they also had a guy you, I'm sure you know, because in the Edmonton area now, and he is famously nicknamed the Meat Grinder, uh, Marty Melnichuk. Did you ever have any run-ins with the Meat Grinder? Yep. Uh, I used to train Marty how to fight way back in the day. Um, and we ended up fighting a couple of times in the minors. I mean, Marty, long, long arms, right? Yep. Um, oh, like Marty's a good cat. And, 
Uh, I, I kind of run into him. He's still in the bar scene, so not my area of what I need to do in my life right now. But, uh, oh, yeah, Marty was there. and But but Marty was young, right? Yep. Like, like, Marty was, was in 16, 17. So when I was in Fort Mac at that time, I was 20. Yep. Right? Which at that, which and, at, at junior, a 20 to 17-year-old is a lifetime. It was, I'm like, yeah. I, it's like, and so it was kind of like a hierarchy, right? Yep. And... And and it was a, and, but I knew Marty. I knew Marty from. Uh, Once it was like not Perry Perns, but uh, there's another big hockey camp that a lot of the old guys, like the big, big a lot of the higher end guys would go, and I got to go to it um, on the south side. Marty usually, and that's where I first met when I first met Marty, um, and then and then I was always bouncing in the bar in the summer, and then he would always come by, right. But we would work on techniques, and we would work on that stuff. And, you know, Marty's a gamer, right? Marty never threw that hard. Like, he, he's a tough kid, but some guys just throw hard. Yep. Right? Like, Ryan Pesiak throws hard. Oh, there, yeah, uh, you Mel read my notes because that was going to be the next name I was going to throw at you, actually. Pisiak seemed oh. to uh, follow. Uh, you ran into him all over the place, apparently. It seemed like all going over. through your hockey like, It's TV. insane. Yep. Yeah. Guys like I know. A, guys like a bad penny he kept showing up everywhere. Yep. Yeah, it, and he is, and he's a lefty. He throw rights too, but the thing with him is that he throws it at a downward angle. He's a six three kid. Like later on, he played a little bit heavier, um, but you know he's a what tenth rounder back in the old days. He was a tenth rounder by what Philly, and. Uh, you know, like he, he, but he could throw hard and straight and accurate, and he threw at a downward angle. So it was really hard to get his hand, like to get him tied up. Because if you threw at a shoulder, if you grabbed at a shoulder, he'd throw over that, and then he would switch hands, and then you, and so if you, so you'd have to grab at the elbow, but the problem is, is that coming at a downward angle, it would force your hand underneath. And he wore really small elbow pads, and the, the jersey would just slide up, right? Yep. So he'd still follow through and connect. But it was so much force, like he could throw hard. So it was like getting, it was like getting punched by a meteor, right? Like it's like getting a fastball in the face. You, like you can't stop it, and it's just, and it's constant. And he throws, so he doesn't like Marty threw big sweeping punches, right? Yep. He reached back and threw like the big haymakers, right? So you could time them and you could see them. Pesiak threw like Joey Koser, but he's 6'3", and he would throw like jackhammers at you that could break your orbital bone. Like, and he could place the same three punches in the same spot. That's how, that's how hard it was fighting him. Yep. But he, you know what? Guys like some of them, some guys that, that throw like that or, or play like that aren't like you got to watch what they're going to do if you fall or you get down, right? He was always like he always lived by the coach, right? Some guys don't. And, you know, but he always did because he won way more than he ever lost. Yep. Well, another name. Like he was tough as nails. Yes, he was. Well, another name that, uh, of course, minor league fans will know, especially out in San Diego, um, and he played for Lloyd, uh, <laughs> Chad Wagner. Yep. Yep. 
I'm, well, another Edmonton well, guy. I'm sure you know Wagner. Yep. Yep. Uh, I haven't talked to, talked to him in years, but uh, I fought him in San Diego when I was in Phoenix. Um, always wore the turtleneck, right? Um, big, tough kid. Like, he doesn't have tremendous balance, but he got better as he got older with it. But big hands on him, right? Like, big, big hands on him. Through, he kind of, like, he could manipulate, he really manipulated your body into trying to turn you into your, into the, into the punch coming in. Yep. Which you always had to be aware of, right? For me, like, I can't, like, I can't be like, you know, the, like, Morasti and Blanc and those guys. They just, they got no neck, right? Small nose, big forehead, big giant head, and take 20, give 20, right? And stand there. I can't fight like that. I'd be knocked out every time. So I had to, I had to place my, place my punches and wait till you get tired and then, and then work. But Wagner could do that and be big, right? And um, that that is always that is always a challenge, right? When you fight a guy like that, and he knows and he doesn't panic, right? Yeah. Like he doesn't get he doesn't like some guys just get amped up, yep. right? But he gets like he's calm in the fight, and then he just unleashes hate, right? Well, I was going to ask you. Which, it's interesting as you're talking about that, um, just as. It's an interesting. I always like to ask the guys this: When was it? Um, when did you start getting comfortable with fighting? And when did it sort of? Because I know the first, you know, you talk to guys the first little while that they fight in junior, it, it's like you know yeah. the, the spaz fighting, tears of rage kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, and everything's yeah. really fast, and you're gassed by the end of it, and you don't know what that what happened, and you know. But when did everything slow down for you, and you start thinking about what you're doing in the fight and what you wanted to do and did that uh when did that take place for you <laughs> you know like they, they, or did it ever? to be honest like, <laughs> no like, like because for me it actually started probably when i was playing bantam like i would like i would skip class and go play shinny hockey at the millwoods rec center and guys like dave cooper and and richard matt Pachuk and dave jesilowski and like all like uh, Brent Fleetwood, uh, Michael, like all these guys would like just tough to play. Like those two are Mike Ratchie, right out of Manville, right? First round picks. They're all top ten, eleven picks, right? Yeah. And but they could all fight, right? Every one of them could fight. And uh, you know, and then you would end up with Mursad Moichin, who is just incredibly crazy tough. Right, and so what you would do as a younger player is that because every time you went to junior camp, you had to fight. Now you don't fight. No, don't fight. Don't fight. Don't fight in camp. Right, but you go to Spruce Grove Saints, or you go to the the Red Deer Rebels, or you go here, you go here, you go here. You always had to fight. So the older guys would come in and at shinny, three hours, two bucks for three hours at shinny, and the last hour would just be Richard Mapachuk broke my arm. Right, teach me an armbar move. But he's got super, super long arms, right? Oh, yeah, you just grab him, kind of twist him, do this, snap, boom, break your arm. I'm like, I think he just broke my arm. <laughs> and he did, right? He broke my arm. Fine, it is what it is. Um, right? But trying to teach you that kind of stuff because it was such a huge part of the game. Yep. Right? But at that time, I was, I was a goal scorer. I could score. I could play. But to me, it was the mentality change. It wasn't the skill change. 
it was a mentality change. I idolized guys like, like I love Tony Twist, and I and it, uh, like Smigel was fine to me, but I loved Kevin McCullough, right? And I loved uh, Larry Robinson the way he played, but he was always fighting, right? Tough and defend his teammates, and it was more of a. I, I think for a lot of guys, there's there's two types of fighters. There's guys that fight to produce a ton of penalty minutes regardless of the of the effect on the team, right? Which is fine. And then there's guys that never fight for themselves but have kind of a big brother mentality. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it's a protective mentality. And and that's what I was. I like like I I, I respect the guys that would go out and get five, six, seven hundred pounding minutes in a season. But it was like, okay, but my my rationale was like all right, but we lost because you gave the team 11 minutes in power plays, right? Now, is the 11 minutes in power plays good enough to offset, you know, is that is is, is, is the ticket sales better than the 11 minutes, right? And there's a threshold you get to, right? Because you can't have five guys doing that, right? And you can't do it every night. So that was, to me, the biggest thing was the mentality change, um, was that, like, like, I don't mind doing it. I don't mind being that guy. Um, and I found it a hell of a lot easier than scoring goals, right? Because I've, I had kind of two years. I went to the All-Star game in Billings and won the MVP award, right, with four points, right? And then I had a good year in Milton. But the rest is just – but in between all that, it's a lot of zeros, man. It's not a lot of crooked numbers, right? It's a lot of zeros and ones. It's binary, right? And and so for me, it was like, I'm good at it. Um, and I don't feel a lot of pressure on it. But And I prefer doing that because I'm not good enough to score goals. Like at the next level. Like I'm just, I'm not. Like I am not capable of that. Yeah, so I mean, clearly you, you recognize that early. I mean, a lot of guys don't. Yeah, but- yeah once... No, no, but I think for, for my generation, it, it happened a lot earlier. Yeah. It doesn't happen when you go to junior. Like, it happens when you're in Bantam and first-year midget. Like, you've got to fight, yeah. right? If you're a bigger kid, the, the, the expectation, that was, that was six feet, 200 pounds in Bantam, yeah. right? Nobody's going, yeah, I want, like, who are, the, who are the top players at the time, right? Eric Lindros, right? Yep. You know, like if you're going to be a Lindros type player, you got to fight, be a powerful. Brendan Shanahan, Scott Stevens, are you going to be D or forward? You're going to fight. You're going to play aggressive, and and every team had eight or ten kids that could fight. It separated you from the group, right? Yep. And and so that was that was a big separational point for me. So, it was, but really, when it started, Billings was when it really kicked in for me because. The coach knew, and we talked about it a little bit before we got on this, was that when Walson was talking about coaching tough guys, Bliss knew how to coach a tough guy. Yeah. Right? He, he knew what buttons to push, and he knew like how hard the job was. Another guy that did a really good job, we'll talk about him a bit, I imagine, is Bruce Boudreaux. He was my first pro coach, like real, real pro coach. Yep. And, and he was really good at it. Right? Um... You know, so that that's how it really changed for me. When I went to Billings, it really changed because that's when you could fight every night. Yeah. Right. Well, did and you take any? You like, when you were going night. into junior, did you take any boxing or anything? 
Uh, yeah, I took boxing, and then uh, there used to be a fight camp at U of A, and they would get all the like the, a lot of tough guys used to go to it. Like minor, there are a lot of minor pro guys. Um, Wayne Tennant's camp used to have like Greg Spenrath and Brad Miller and those guys. Yeah, and we used to work on a lot of fighting stuff on that too, and uh, and so you you try and learn, you pick things up, and then find what works for you. Yeah. And that was one of the things all the guys would say is that everybody's going to have a bit of a different style. Yeah. Right? You have to figure out what fits your style. And and I've tried going toe-to-toe with guys. I got terrible genetics for fighting. I got a smaller like a smaller forehead, a big nose. I don't have a ton of reach. And I don't have Mel Angelstad hands. Right? Yeah. I got long hands, but I don't have those thick, yeah. wide hands. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't have. I don't you have you can't punch you. You can punch you right? square in the face and black in both your eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like oh, good. It's a blackout, right? Yeah. Like, it's like in the end of the. It's like the end of the apocalypse when Angelstad throws a punch at you, yep. right? Yep. And, and so those guys are genetically different, right? They can fight anyway, right? And so for me, it was like like fighting those guys sucked because it was like you had to be so aware of where their hands were at all times. So that's where boxing helped. I took a fair amount of judo in learning how to manipulate the body. Yep. Right? In grasping and in 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 taekwondo. So so I'd learn a lot of that in trying to kind of my brain works that way. Yeah. Where I can okay, you're coming this way. Well I'll come over and I'll grab both your elbows with my right hand I'll pull straight back with my left and then hit you on the on the button with an overhand left. That's right? interesting. Like I, I can function that way. That you took judo but, as well. Did you like, like when you were fighting? Yeah. Did you prefer to get him up against the glass and manipulate him along the glass? No, 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 no. I because mo- because the problem I had was that like 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 later like as soon as you get into the pros. There's a like you look at all the the heavyweights, right? They're all six three, six four, six five, six six. You yep. know, you get six seven, and everybody's two hundred and forty five pounds. Yep. Right. You know, and I'm sitting at like six one, maybe six two, depending on which which website you want to believe. Yeah. Right. I was gonna say depending on what like, convenience store you're leaving. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm either between five eight and six eleven. Yeah. But they they I like. But you get into a point where I was kind of like a two two ten two fifteen is where I normally play at. I middleweights wouldn't fight me because I was better than most of the middleweights, right? Yeah. And but like to fight the heavyweights, Vern Ray and Puritan and those guys. Yeah. I'm like you can't be two fifteen. Those guys would just pick you up and throw you around. Right. That's, well, you, you, you're, a no, you're a tweener all of a sudden, and you're kind of in no yeah. man's land. Yeah. Which is tough. Exactly. So. Yeah. I can't grow, but I can get heavier. Yeah. So then I started playing at about two twenty five, two thirty five, into the two, and then I got to two forty, and I just couldn't play at two forty, right? Yeah. I, like I literally could not move. So I, I play about two, two thirty, two thirty five, somewhere in there. But I, again, I'm not playing a lot of minutes here, right? Yeah. And so like that, so that 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 changes your dynamic, right? So. Now you have to now you have to go fight the heavyweights, and that's where you end up with with guys that you're trying to find your style really matters because 
again, we don't have YouTube at this time. Yep. Right? You can't study a guy. You got to fight everybody to build your reputation. Yep. Right? So well, it's like Jesus. Yeah. Well, uh, well. Uh, before we get off this, I gotta, you know, as you say, with the size and the techniques and everything, were you a jersey guy? Like, did you do anything with your jerseys, like goalie cuts or oh. sleeve extensions or <laughs> okay. tie downs or Crisco or? Oh yeah, Velcro. So know? I didn't. Oh, oh, I didn't even. So <laughs> okay, there's two stories. Quick ones. Uh, otherwise, this podcast would be like six hours long. Yeah. So. I ended up uh, I ended up in Fort McMurray that 20-year-old season. We had a great trainer. Uh, God, I can't remember his name, but he was unreal. So I'm like, okay, we can't – because then you weren't allowed because it was kind of what I call the Rob Ray rule. Yep. And Dave Brown. Dave Brown used to have two things. He used to have on because he's lefty. He had the – like, when you watch his fights, you've seen it, like how tight yep. that arm was. Yep. Because you couldn't grab it. Right? Yep. Okay, fine. Then they're like, okay, you can't do that. So then he went to Velcro scenes, right? Yep. So in the AJ that year, I'm like, okay, so I get I get up to Fort Mac and I'm like, okay, let's do Velcro scenes and turns like can't. Just got informed, can't do that. I'm like, okay. But you know what we can do is that from the armpit to the to the the cuff of your right hand we we can put in extra uh, fabric. We can expand your sleeve, right? So as long as your so your arm could come out, but you couldn't get out of your jersey, right? Yep. So you had to have your tie down on, yep. right? Yep. So as long as your tie down's on, that's fine. So, but you could get your arm out. That wasn't a problem. Okay. So I would have this sleeve that was probably. 37 inches. <laughs> Looks like a windsock. <laughs> and my, yeah. yeah, it was literally, it would slow me down. Thank God it didn't skate that fast, but it would slow me down. Like, it would just flap in the wind. Like, what the fuck? But I remember my first fight, a guy tries to grab it with his left hand. He tries to curl it up, curl it up, and it's still coming. And it, finally, it's just too much in his hand. And I pull straight back with the right, and I just pile this kid right in the face and knock him out. And because I don't have a lot of knockouts in my career. Right and uh, and I'm like this is sick. Right, three weeks later, the league comes in. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> so you can't do that. When I'm in Nashville, uh, there's a guy, uh, the Dancing Bear, uh, oh, yes. Ron Aubrey. Not, Aubrey. I always want to call him Ron Burgundy, but it's not that. So <laughs> Aubrey, toughest now, and he. I got there two days, two or three days, and then he left. Right, because there's a big coaching change and everything else. So when I came in, he was still there, and he was great to me. But then he left, and and I haven't talked to him since that those those three days. He's like WD forty. Like what? Yeah, WD forty on your jersey. <laughs> I'm like why? Watch. And so he puts on his game jersey, gets WD forty on it, and you try and grab it, you can't fucking grab anything. <laughs> he just slides out of your hand. I'm like that is brilliant. So yeah, so I had big oil stains on my jerseys around the elbows. So I don't even know if that's legal anymore. I I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah, I do too. So oh, but you, you used to put tough skin on your knuckles. Yep. Right. Like oh yeah, yeah. sharpen the, screw, sharpen yeah. the screws on your helmets of the file and yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Turn your 
turn your screws inside out, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, square toes. You sharpen the bottom of your toe of your blade, right? And just hit a guy in the back of the leg, right? Yeah, you don't do any of that stuff. The gamesmanship has changed. Yeah. Now you're playing everybody's golf tournament. Exactly. So, yeah. You know, they want to get a mad yeah. block you on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, Roger Richard is really proud of that and how the game's turned out. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, like you said, I guess we'll keep moving here. We're going to be here all night. But yeah. uh, well, I do, we, before we get out of junior, I mean, you did go to the Milton Merchants there in the Ontario League. Yep. But, well, holy, holy shit, all of a sudden, you're fucking Bo Dangles. 72 points yeah. in 49 games and only 43 pims. I mean, you know, all of a sudden yeah. you get start getting first-line minutes and you forget your role or what? <laughs> yeah, no, it, honestly, it was just there's the, the whole team could score, right? Yeah. So it just got lucky. It just it meshed with a couple of guys, and it worked, and it was something that, they, I wasn't. They, I wasn't there super long. Like it was kind of like I went in, kind of after trail and everything. And I went in. Um, my family's from out that way, in in that in that Milton area. Yep. So I went out there, and I just had, it was just you catch. It's Kelly Bookberger scoring twenty goals. Yep. Right. Yep. It's Marty McSorley being plus fifty three. Right. Like it just it just worked, and yep. but it was never one of those things where oh yeah I'm doing a lot of shit. It was like there's a couple of guys that could just I could go to the right spot and then they could just bounce it off me, right? I could pass at the next level, but I just I with them it was like yeah I'll give you the puck and then you go score, right? Well, it's, it's Alex Burroughs playing with uh, the Sedin, right? That's all right. You know, hey, you know the numbers yeah. look good. Uh, well, yeah. two names I want to ask you about, though, for, of course, obviously, as fight fans. Um, one, mm-hmm. Ken Boone. Was he there when you were there, or was he gone by then? I know he only played 10 games. And the other guy that, that went on to the LNAH was Corey Holland. Oh, Corey Holland? I remember Corey Holland. Uh, yeah. Uh, and... Uh, if anybody listening out there is Corey Holland, Corey Holland, you're trying to think. He was in the Laval Chiefs documentary. He's one of the guys in the, yep. the Chiefs movies. And uh, he boxed, and Corey Holland could bang, man. He could go in the L&H. Um, yeah, but uh, he was a 19-year-old yeah. 19, 19 at, at this time. Yeah, with uh, yeah with Milton. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, 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 was, he could play. Yep. Right? Like, he... He he was one of those kids that if he could ever figure it out, you looked at him and you're like, you're real close to turning pro, right? Like 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 a full time like like a full time AHL guy, like a full time, you know, like like NHL contract guy, right? There there was something there. You could see that there was something there. Um, but a good like a good cap. But like I took that team. It was like the total opposite of. Of, uh, of, of billings for me. Like, I went in with the full intention of I'm leaving immediately. Like, the season ended, I left. Right? Like, it wasn't something where I got real close with any of the players. It was just yeah. you went in. And you, you, like, it wasn't like I was a recluse. It was just like I went in, did my job, and I, like, it was like I have one of the players that worked with, plays, played in the Western League, and, you know, they finished their end of their season, but they were just a bad hockey team. And he hated being in that team. And 
he ends up, uh, like, I'm like, okay, so when you come back, because we finish in wherever it is in the Western League on the road. He goes, we get home about 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm driving home at, like, noon the next day. I'm not hanging out with these guys. Like, it was just, it wasn't something where I was, it was kind of almost like I came in as a mercenary, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and so it was, like, guys were great, and but it wasn't, like, you never built any long-term relationships. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, you just, like, you go in, and you're just there to do a job, and they, yeah, no, great. And you're kind of, what I always tell kids, like, how, how how many friends you still, if you're playing midget, how many friends you still got from your novice team? Yeah. Well, none. Okay. That's the same way I look at it this. Hockey was never, for me, about making lifelong friendships. Right? It, it was never that for me. Even when I was a, as a little kid, it was never that. It was just to play. Right? I, like, I don't, I don't want to play with you guys next year because I want to be better than you. Right? Yep. And then everybody got way better than me after about 14. <laughs> right? I was like, oh, fuck, can I hang out with you guys now? Sorry, that was kind of a dick move by me. But now can I hang out with you? You guys have to be really, really good. Right? And so, I mean, like, that, that, that was kind of, that, that was how that kind of all transpired. Right? Like, it was just in and out. I think I left the day the season ended. I did this, you know, that, that was just the way it was. Yeah. Well, the following year, of course, yeah. you, you turned pro, and uh, uh, you know, you, like you said, you, he- you head out to uh, <clears throat> well, you start in Mississippi for a couple, well, Springfield yep. in the AA, and then you get uh, yep. sent down to Mississippi with uh, for briefly for yep. two games. Uh, then you yeah. you bounce over to Austin, the old Austin Ice Bats yep. in the Western Pro League, and uh, you proceed to blow your knee out. Well, I blew my end complete care. Yeah, complete care of my MCL. Um, so you're seven so games my, into your like, pro I, career. You're seven games into your pro yeah. career, and your knees wonky. So we're off to a hot start here. Yeah, yeah. We, and I and, and outside of like broken noses and knuckles and stuff, I've never been hurt. Hurt, right? A couple of ribs, but I've never been hurt. Hurt, right? And like I've never like it was weird. It, it, it was so you come down to the coast. And in Biloxi, it was great. Like, you're there for the, like, training camps, like, two and a half weeks long. Got exhibition. So you're there for, like, a month, yep. right? And two games for, you get two games in for a month, right? And then we had a whole bunch of guys come down because we're affiliated with everybody. And my contract was that you can, you can move me without calling anybody. Okay, fine. Because as long as you're going to pay for me to go, what do I care, right? Trade me and my contract follows, great, no problem. So I go to I go to the Whipple and making the same money would be the coast. So I go to Austin, and so I get I, I, I fly in because I didn't drive at this point. I did the following year, but so I, drive, I fly into Austin. I get picked up at the airport, and by these two ladies in the in in the office, it's like seven o'clock. I'm like, man, I am starving. Can we go grab some meat? Yeah. So we go we go grab some meat. They're going to take me to the to the uh, to, to the apartment building that we live in, right? And I'm going to live with Brian Sackett, Joe's brother, right? Yeah. Which is, if you ever know the stories about Brian Sackett, they're pretty much all true, right? Uh, they are, yeah, yeah. it is, yeah. Like, again, I love I love playing with Brian and living with him, but it is exhausting, right? Yeah. And, um, but, uh, so I, I'm at dinner with these two ladies from the office. I'm like, okay, guys, hey, just out of curiosity, what number will I be wearing 
And they're like, I believe it's six. Six? What tough guy wears six? Nobody wears six. Like, nobody goes, oh my God, look out for number six. <laughs> nobody, nobody has ever uttered that phrase in their life. Right? So, okay, that's got to change. But Blaine Stoughton was my coach, and he did not have time for me. So he's like, what number did you get? Six. Oh, you want to change it? Yeah. How about to get the fuck out of my office? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, yeah, no, six is good. Six works. Six is fine. Real real people person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elite, right? Elite program. So I go from Springfield to, to, to Mississippi, run really well, East Coast League, NHL stuff, right? To our, so I get in, the, I have a game day skate. We're going to play at the only other ice arena in Austin, Texas, in a mall. Nice. We basically practiced at the West Edmonton Mall Arena, which is only three quarters of the size. I'm like, what the hell are we doing? So we go in and we play, God, uh, Jacques Maylot was on the team. Central Texas? Uh, Central Texas. So we go down. It was either Central Texas or we played Waco. I can't remember. It was one of those two. But I go end to end, right? And I go wide on the guy, and he traps. He goes for a hip check, and he traps just below my right knee. Um, and I'm a right-handed shot. So I'm coming down the left side of the wall, and I still remember this day. And I drive my left knee through, and he catches my right leg pins it against the wall and in that moment i kind of rotate the body and give a backhand cross ice pass it was a beautiful pass because i was pinned there and i got to watch it the guy shot up glass awesome thanks i get up and my foot is now 45 degree out from my knee yeah so i have i can't skate like i am basically on the boot the inside of my boot of my blade i've never been hurt like that before in my life this is this is like my first shift. I thought like during that rush, I'm like, I love this league. I'm going to get 900 points in this league. Yeah, no, no, that none of that happened. So I go in. They try and tape me up. I sit on the bench. Uh, Shaughnessy is one of the co-owners of the team and playing, and he and I'm like, fuck, man. Like I'll go. We had another guy get hurt. He's like, you can't skate. I just need you here so that we look like we have more players. I'm like, okay. So I sit there, I sit I sat there and people couldn't see but I had like three ice packs all around my knee. I didn't even have a shin pad on. It was just all ice packs to keep slowing down. Right? And and I that was awesome. And so I go in, I'm supposed to go seven months, go to University of Texas, get an MRI, and I met actually Ricky Williams. He was there, he was rehabbing. And uh, I met Ricky Williams in the rehab office. There you go. I was like, that is elite. Yeah, I was like, okay, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. And, uh, but I go into Stoughton's office and I go, yeah. He goes, how long are you up for? Well, he said, they said, uh, seven months. But in Texas at that time, everybody wanted to get hurt in Texas because you got paid like 90% on workers' comp. <laughs> so everybody would get hurt in their last week of their season and take workers' comp all summer. Oh, hey, right? there you go. Like and I'm like that's pretty fucking brilliant, but I am not that smart at this time. And I'm like I'll play next week, 
Just tape it up, cortisone shots, painkillers, let's go. So, but what worked out really well for them is that they could ax my contract. I still got paid, but they could ax my contract. And so I go, so they, after the pay period ends, they, they let me go, right? I'm still getting workers. They put me on workers' comp, but they let me go because they don't want the insurance claim, right? Yep. So I end up coming back home for about a week, 10 days. And then in, I think it was like November. Yeah, it would have been November, December, uh, late November, early, early December. I, uh, I signed with Nashville. And a buddy of mine was playing down there, and, and uh, my agent made a call and brought me to Nashville, and uh, and then started and started that process, right? Where we were terrible. I think we lost twenty three straight games. We were garbage. Good kids on those teams. Great town. I mean, unreal town. This is before it was Smashville, right? Yeah. But it was unreal. Like it was elite, and. You know, and we played in a great building. We didn't play in the, what was then the Gaylord Center uh, by the Grand Old Opry people that owned it. We played right down the street. It's 8,000, 9,000 seat stadium. It was unbelievable. You see, the year before Harry York played there in the coast, but they left the East Coast to go to the Central League. And, but it was a great building. But we would get like literally 10, 12, 15 fans a night. It was it was a race to the bank. The bank was directly across the street, and we'd get our checks every Tuesday. And guys would be late for practice to, and, and the vets would cash their checks first. And then you would hope that you would get your money in your account after practice if you're a rookie. Oh, the joys of the minor like league hockey! Oh man, like it was just a gong show, right? And. You know, and so like, that was always, so that was, it was great. But like, I, the first time I ever started a hockey game, like professional hockey game, was in was in Nashville. And uh, Ian Duncan, NHL rookie team, right, in like, 1989, 90, yep. our coach, he goes, he goes, okay, starting lineup. And he goes through the lineup. And buddy of mine, Davey Greenway, sitting next to me. We played against each other in the AJ, you know, the year before. He was a tough guy, too. And. And he's got a big bass voice, right? And he, and he goes through and he goes, okay, and then uh, and Adams. And I look at Davey. I've been on the team for about nine minutes at this point. And I look at Davey and I'm like, is there another Adams on this team? And Davey, like, the old Darth Vader laugh. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, okay, relax. <clears throat> Coach this over. Adams, you got a problem? He's like, no, I'm just wondering if there's, a, if there's, there's another Adams on this team. Because I don't usually start games. I say, no, I want you to start to see if you can fight Mike DeGurst. If he doesn't want to fight you, then come off. Oh, oh, yeah, no, that's fine. Just tell me that. It's easier. You don't have to go through this. <laughs> so, go out and fight DeGurst. I think we fought like four or five times that year. And Mike's a good cat. And we, we almost, I almost ended up playing on Columbus uh, like a year or two later. And uh, But Mike's always been good. Uh, and fought clean, you know. And, yep. uh, for me, I never had a problem fighting Mike. Um, we always had good, good tilts, and, and and always had a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, but I mean, that's that's the thing, right? Like in the minors, it's a race to the bank, and just a lot of late nights. Yep. Well, I mean, in the Central you League know? that year, I mean, you had, in Columbus, like you said, you got Tom Wilson. 
uh, Jerome yep. Bouchard. Um, yeah, you making you got Christian Goslin. Um, yeah, Huntsville, of course. Jonathan Dubois, DeGers, Phil Daigle. Yeah, um, yeah. Tulsa, Craig Cox, Jason Rushton, Doug Lawrence. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wichita, um, Dosdell, oh. former former guest yep. uh, Dan Kopak. Uh, yeah, fought me. Danny. I fought Danny. How, yep. did that, how did how did your fight with Kopech go? He's a tough, dude. He he is a tough. Like again, big big hands, right? Yep. And throws hard. Like it, it's like heavy. It's hard and heavy, and they're powerful. Like you can't stop them. So you got to kind of move on them, and and try and just create some 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 off balance situations for him. But uh, Kopech's tough. Right, like he's feared. There's guys that you fear fighting, right? And Dan Kopech's one of those guys, right? Like it's not something you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to go fight Kopech tonight. Like nobody, nobody in the right mind ever says that. Yeah, and uh, and it's uh, it's it's uh, it's a different it's a different. And anybody says, oh, I'm never scared of fighting anybody or whatever. They're lying. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, everybody has, you know, oh, yeah, I love doing it. I love doing it. And, you know, like, like that's not that's not the reality of it. Right? Like, it's, like, he could fight, but he could play. It wasn't like he was a bad hockey player either. Right? Nope. He was a D-man. That put up good numbers and, you know, playing the Western League and, you know, like, he could play. And, he just played a hard, heavy game. So a lot of his fights were off of contact, right? Because guys didn't want to go with him squared up. So a lot of his fights are, he levels the guy, and then it's off of contact, right? And uh, that's the way, because you, you, if you can get him there, you, at least you get in close to him, right? But you get him spread out a little bit, he can he can fire on you all day, yep. right? But yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, they going into Wichita was always hard, always yeah. hard going into Wichita, right? Because they had they they had they had players that were just plain tough. Yep. Well, and they, said, yeah. But the, well, the, it, well, the yeah. meat grinder was there too. Yep. 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 Oh yeah. So, so I mean, you get Melnichuk, uh, Dosdal, and Kopech. And then you know, I mean, that's yep. pretty good trio. And I mean, because Dawson's a little pain in the ass, you know. And then, uh, yep. you know, and then you had well, who was their leading scorer? Was uh, Yo- Tre- Job. Job, Trevor Job? You know, <laughs> I got it. You want to hear a story about Job? Of course. Yeah. Okay, so, so Trevor Job is—he's playing against us. But when teams would play us, a lot of times they would try and come in. Uh, they would stay an extra day. Right, either they would come in a night before and go hang out in Nashville. Right, like if you're in Wichita, you could come to Nashville. You don't come day of and leave. Right, but we were playing. We were going to play an evening game, but we couldn't because Peyton Manning was playing for the University of Tennessee, and they were playing a bowl game that evening. We already didn't get fans, so we went with a like a Tuesday afternoon game, right against Wichita, and Trevor Job. Like he's got some off ice issues, yeah. Right, like at that at that time, like there is, like, and I and I've hoped that he's gotten help and everything goes his way. But like 
he, I remember I lined up against him. Why I was out on the ice with a guy who made like who had probably Gretzky like talent, but played it like two sixty. Yeah, <laughs> right? like he was like the ultimate beer leaguer, right? Yeah. Div one beer leaguer that gets nineteen points a game. Like he could play, he played in the show. Like he could play in the show today if he got his you know if he, if everything worked out for him. But we ended up. Lining up against them. It was like middle of the first period. And I lined up against Joe. Joe looks at me and goes, God, I'm like, oh, God, Trevor Joe's talking to you. This is sick. You're the best player in the league. And you're the best player probably in minor pro hockey at this point. He goes, Adams, no bullshit tonight. Okay? I'm like, he goes, I just want to get this game done so we can go out and party. You guys come with us. I'm like, Oh, oh, okay. I'm like, did you tell the other guys? He goes, oh, yeah, I told those guys, knock it off. Let's just get this done in two hours. <laughs> I'm like, okay, fine. The best part about Trevor Job is, is that he never goes into his own end, right? So it's like a constant five-on-four power play when he's on the ice. Yep. But then he gets the puck, and then you count it as a goal because he'll score every time, right? So he goes over. Now the truck's kind of goofing around a little bit, and <laughs> And and all you hear is Joe, Marty, knock it off. <laughs> all right, oh, okay. Because <laughs> he's young, right? He'd probably be a first, second-year guy. He just skates all, okay. <laughs> the game might have been, like, I don't even think I played. Because it was it was the softest game in all of minor pro hockey. It basically looked like a game that's played now. Nobody hit each other. It was like nobody dug for pucks after goalies played everything, and we all went out together after. It was a game. Yeah, it, it was. That's a, a game of pong for an it, hour and a half. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like just grind through it, and I, like we, they, we they told the referees, "Hey, let's not let the ice freeze. Let's just go." Right, and, and everybody was cool with it. It was like a two o'clock in the afternoon game start time. We could be out by four. Right, we could be downtown by five. Right, we're good. Right, we're already downtown. The arena's downtown. Go back to your hotel, change, whatever. Great, done. We're, we're back at 5 o'clock, right? Like, no problem. And, and that's what we did. It was one of the best nights. It was it was an unbelievable night. So, but yeah, that is, that is my Trevor Joe story. But my God, could that kid play hockey. Unbelievable. Like, from, a talent, from a talent perspective, he's unbelievable. Unbelievably talented. Uh, yeah. Anybody wonder if you're if you haven't heard of him, J O B E. Look yeah. it up on Hockey DB. Look at those. That they're like Sega Genesis. Create a player numbers. Yeah. It's ridiculous. How they cool they are. Yeah. And and the best part is is like that year he played. He had like fifty six goals for or for Wichita. I think he was minus thirty nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, he, he, like, I was like, man, you do the math on that. Like, but he would play like thirty minutes a night. Yep. They would just play the wheels off him. Yeah. Never wore shoulder pads either. Awesome. <laughs> it was uh, the best. <laughs> all right, we're back. And uh, all right, well, we just, uh, like I said, we, we just finished talking about the uh, fastest game in minor league hockey history <laughs> and, and apparently the, lo- the longest night in minor league history. Um, before we leave um, the Central League, um, I had briefly kind of ran over the uh, the rosters quickly. Uh, when you played Tulsa um, and you were out there against Craig Cox, now obviously, I, 
everybody knows Craig Cox, and especially you growing yeah. up being a fight guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm, you saw Probert and Cox a thousand times. So now all of a sudden you're out there. Hockey, them. Oh, and here's the thing: people don't understand. At one point, I think he he had like sixty two assists. Yep, like he had silky nets. Like he could he could play. Yep, and he was six five. Right, so I was D partners with Wade Bartley. Uh, Wade was a second round pick by the Washington Capitals, and the years years ago. So he's he's in his late 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 twenties, early early thirties, right? And we're and we're playing against Craig Cox, and I'm like, you, you know, you're twenty twenty one years old, and you're sitting there going, how many times in your life are you going to fight a guy like Craig Cox? Right, like it's not gonna. And, and, and again, that Probert Cox fight on Rock'em Sock'em Hockey launched that entire D, that VHS now DVD series. That's why people buy it still. Um, that it set, and so fighting a guy like that, you were just like, jeez. So I remember, I remember going up, and I, I lined up against against Craig Cox, and I. And I remember Dennis Bondy talking to um, like Bob Probert. And he would say, Mr. Probert, it'd be an honor if you'd let me fight you. And Bob Probert would oblige him, right? And because he's a rookie and everything else, right? So I, I said, you know what? That's respectful, and I like that, right? It's not weak. It's not, right? It was. I did that to, remember um, Mike Johnston playing the minors? Um. God, I think I played against him in the Whipple. Anyway, I, and, and, and so I did that to Craig Cox and Mr. Cox. It'd be an honor for them if, if I could have the honor of fighting. He didn't want to fight a lot at that at that time in his career, right? He's done it, right? Fighting the fighting a guy like me does not do anything to help him, right? Um, it just hurts his hands. It's all it does. So I, I walked him with Mr. Cox. It'd be an honor if if I could fight you. And it's a defensive zone face-off. And again, we're terrible. So I know it's going to be a bagger in our own end for the four to six minutes until they score. It'll be an iron lung shift for me. So I'm like, if I can get Craig Cox to fight me, he'll probably beat the wheels off me so bad that I won't actually be able to play for a while. <laughs> so I don't have to worry about you know being caught in my own end for a month during this game. Because we we were not in a good spot, so Craig Cox looks at me and goes, "Yeah, I'll let you know when." I'm like, "Sure thing, Mister Cox. Anytime you're ready." So they, of course, they win the face off. They move it around. It goes into the corner. Craig Cox goes, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." And I'll go, I'll go and get it. And and uh, and so I kind of hit him a little bit, not hard, just kind of give him a shot in the corner. And I'm like, "Now, Mister Cox." He's like, "No." Oh, okay, sorry. And it goes around. I'm in my end for about a good minute and a half, and uh, it is just constant movement. And again, we are not very good, so we're just going corner to net, corner to net, up back. It's just a constant bag skate drill. So we're about a minute and a half straight, two minutes of doing that, and and the skating out off the ice. We, we one of our forwards graciously. Basically, ice is it, but it took a good bounce and landed on the goalie. So the goalie had to play it. So we're going for a change, and so Cox comes around and goes, "Hey, rookie, you ready?" I'm like, and Wade Bartley goes, "No, he isn't." And he just grabs me by the scruff of the neck and he sits me down. And he goes, 
you just did more exercise in that one and a half to two minutes than you've done all year. And then you want to go and get your head kicked in by that guy. You got to be smarter. And I was kind of pissed. And I thought about it and I'm like, wow, you are really right. That would have not went well. <laughs> so, and I didn't get out. I didn't get him out. I didn't get out against him the rest of the game. And then I saw him at the, I saw him when we, when we were leaving the, when we were leaving the rink, I saw him and I was like, Mr. Cox, I was the rookie that said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, don't worry about it, kid. Like fighting me isn't going to give you a lot because I'd probably hurt you. I'm like, you're probably right, sir. <laughs> right. And he was like, yeah, you really would. And, but he was great. Like he wasn't trying to be a dick about it. Right. He was just like, yeah, I really hurt you if you would have let me there. And, but he goes, also, I want to score. Like, I get it. It was, you should too. I'm like, huh. I guess you didn't really see a scudder report on me, though. <laughs> right? Like, there's not a lot of people that roll out. Yeah, let's get Adams out there for the power play. Right? Like, so, you know, it, it, so it was kind of one of those things where he still had that toughness about him and he still had that aura about him. But there was also that, not humility, but that, listen, you don't need to fight me, right, to try and make a name for yourself. They, you can do other things, but he was scary. Like he had presence, and some guys have that. They just have that presence, that aura, right? Scorgi, like all those guys that have the Blonsky, like those guys, like Agostad, like you, Jody Murphy. They yep. all have that, right? It's just this, oh, man. And it's and I don't know if you're born with it. I don't know. And I had it in junior for a while. But you go to the pros, and it's just like, no, I don't, right? Like, I, like it was, it wasn't something that that I could, I couldn't emulate. I just, I didn't have that stature, right? Part of its reputation, part of its stature, part of its physical presence. I just, I didn't have it. Not at that level. Well, the following year, uh, you play a, you know, you you kind of uh, you get you're in Mississippi, going to school, playing. Yep. But you're kind of loaned out to a few yep. different teams in kind of a weird situation. Yep. But uh, oh, yeah. and we're going to talk about a guy who had presence. You have a story about him too. I was just off air, but we'll we'll bring this up. Um, but first of all, you're in Mississippi, and your coach is uh, yep. Bruce Boudreau. How'd you get along with Bruce? Yep. You know what? It was it was unreal. Like uh, you, you, what you got to know about. Bruce is is that he he might be the most personable coach I've ever played for, right? But he can flip on a dime, right? Like he can go from like oh yeah, you know, like he collects a ton of comic books, right? He can talk about collecting comic books to ripping you on the power play, which was never a conversation he had with me, but in 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 an instant, right? Like he can just let you have it, but. He, like, and people don't realize how good of a player he was. Like, one of the last years he played in the IHL, he had 117 points. Yep. Right? Yep. And he kind of bounced around in the, in the minors. And I was a big, all those bus rides and billings and playing in Flim Flon and all those things too, right? Like, you get in those long bus rides and you would read the hockey news and they would put in the minor stats and you would follow guys like that, right? Yep. And so I knew a lot about Bruce Boudreaux more and he was in Slapshot. He was an extra in slap shot, 
right? Yep. All the guys were, right? You know, so it's kind of cool. And, and, but he, he really, he really understood, um, like a tough, like a tough guy. He almost felt sorry for tough guys in a way, right? And you can see it in that HBO when he talks to Matt Hendricks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you guys, when he's getting his face stitched back up. And I don't know how you guys do that. And you almost feel sorry for them, right? Because he was so skilled. I've lost two paychecks to, to, to Bruce. And, uh, we, we play posts from center ice. So I would get on the ice early and not because I was like a highly committed kid. It was because he would want me to work on my skating. So he'd help me work on his skating. So, and then we play posts, 25 bucks a, a, a shot. And he would just go crossbar down from center ice at all times. He took two paychecks away from me. Like, like it was nothing, and he did not give them back. It wasn't like, oh, it was just a tough, tough road there. And like, no, he he spent them. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, damn, I'm playing for free these two weeks, right? And it wasn't like I was clearing a whole bunch of cash either. And I was like, oh, I can afford it. No, I really, like, it's like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to pay for my car. Um, so, you know, but he he really knew how to kind of make a tough guy feel part of the team. Like I remember when they, they first assigned me, my mom came down for the game, one of my first pro games. And, uh, and, and she came out with us to, um, this would be the second year. So I'm signed and and ready to go and I'm going to play. And so we have this, the team comes out and some of the parents are there. Like my mom came down, a couple other parents came down, and we we had this bar we always used to go to. We drank for free in it. It was awesome. Like we, like it was great. And twenty four seven, it was open. It was nuts. And Bruce comes over and tells my mom, "Miss Adams, I love your son. I love that. You know, he puts in so much effort, and I love his work ethic, his toughness. You know, if I can put his work ethic into all our players. We'll never lose a game. But if I put any of his skill in players, I'd be I'd be working at Rona." Yeah, I've heard that before. (laughs) Come on, I'm standing there and I'm just like, wow, that's great. Thanks. You're all awesome. (laughs) Right? Like, to understand how much of a cog I am in the game of hockey, the year before, I'm on the bike in, in Mississippi. This is the home opener, right? And so this, this, so this is the home opener and about an hour before the game, I don't know if I'm playing yet, right? So there's like four four other tough guys, and we're just, and we're just all on the bike riding. And and Bruce comes into the kind of workout room we have. He goes, Adams, how long is your dad in town for? I'm like, well, he leaves. My dad was working for Warner Lambert, which is Pfizer now. And uh, and he had to go down to South America to one of the plants that, to do some work. But he's like, you know what? I can fly to Houston and catch a little hopper plane over to Bluxy because it's like an hour flight, not even. And then I can fly from back to Houston and then down to wherever he was going to South America for, for, for a meeting. But I can catch your game. So Gabby, his nickname's Gabby, so I never call him that. But Bruce goes, oh, is he just in for tonight? And I'm like, yeah, where is he staying? And he said, well, at the team hotel. Oh, I thought I booked every room there. I'm like, I don't know. That's where he was staying. Oh, your dad must be a big wig. You know what? You're in tonight. <laughs> I'm like, really, Dad? You got to come to every game. <laughs> right? So they put me in an hour before, right? And it was like a nonchalant. It wasn't like a 
a, a two foot away conversation. I don't even know if he was just yelling into the room from eight feet outside the door. Right? It's just you heard this voice, right? And I'm like, he goes, All right, you're in. And that was it. That was that's how I played my very first pro game. There you go. Because my dad was in town. Right? Like it wasn't because it was like, Oh, we got this matchup that seems to be a problem. But he was he was great as like he'd get out on the ice with me early and he'd skate around and be like okay hey listen I hate to ask this but you know you gotta either fight like we gotta keep Gervais on Mobile and uh, Phil Volk at bay and Roger Maxwell's called up to Adirondack or Kevin Evans is suspended or not playing or whatever it is he's like I'm gonna need you to kind of keep those two at bay he goes I hate asking you that I'm like well, I would hate to ask you to put me on the power play. He goes, well, if you did that, we'd both be out of a job. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, so this is my job. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Right? Like, I understand. I appreciate it. But, you know, let's let's do this. Right? And he was like, sure. And then go into Mobile. And, you know, and Phil Volk's awesome. Gary Volk's younger brother. And Phil's great. Right? And Gervais good, too. Fought, fought Gervais a couple times. And, um, you know, and they get... But he always had respect for you, which was great. And but you know it was also a little bit undermining because he always felt sorry for you too. Yeah. Right? And um, but you know he he was always really good to me. And uh, you know and and he's and I I went to the NHL coaches conference last year and and uh, this will lead into the Chad Richards story. Um, and I ended up seeing Gabby and I left one of the. It's a huge auditorium where they're doing this and our convention center and I see Bruce Boudreau there and I'm like hey Gabby and he looks at me and he's kind of trying to remember me and I'm like Steve Adams he's like Steve how you been and he's like you still have the best helmet toss I've ever seen and this was in from Louisiana in like 1997 that year the year we're talking about right um when when I played the twenty five or twenty eight games, whatever it was for him, and and he still remembered that to this day, right? Like that's that's kind of the memory and the idea he has, right? Like his memory power is just insane. Yeah. Um, but to remember something from nineteen ninety seven about a helmet toss, right? Because I spun my helmet, and he, was, and he even showed me on the bus. He goes, "Look at this." Look at that chin strap and the ear flaps are level and the helmet's level and it's a perfect circle, right? And he's like, that's the only thing good you did that game. <laughs> <laughs> like, the game, the, literally the game just ended like 14 minutes ago. <laughs> like, it was, it was brutal. But to start that game, we were playing in Louisiana at the Gator Dome and Louisiana had just a ridiculous amount of tough guys, right? We had some tough guys too. Uh, Paul Chance was on that team, and um, Maxwell, Lakovic, uh, Kevin, Kevin Evans. Yeah, yeah, and Evie was there. Lakovic wasn't there yet; he came later. Okay, and and then uh, he he got sent down. I want to say from like the eye or something. He got sent down, and then uh, but there like we had, but they had like like Louisiana was a great place to play, right? Like especially as a tough guy, they had. You know, oh, you can go through the list of guys. But I remember when Chad went there, um, the, uh, the, it was, they, I don't know, maybe 
10 minutes in to the game, I go out, um, uh, Kevin Evans goes out, and then uh, Paul Chance goes out. I want to say Maxwell was there. Um, and uh, and we ended up, um, and, and so we were out there, we all line up. So every, and they send out, oh. Well, I can tell you, all, they got uh, Weingartner, Jay Murphy, Stan yep. Melanson, yep. Eric Cloutier, Jason McQuaid, yep. Ryan Pisiak again, Chad Richard. Yep. 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 Yeah, so they send out, it was uh, Pisiak, McQuaid, um, it was Pisiak, McQuaid, uh, Dumoulin, Dumoulin, I was, I could never oh, yeah, pronounce yeah, his yeah, name. Yeah, Mario. And, and yeah. Melanson, yeah. right? And uh, so there's those five in chat. So we all kind of line up, and Roger Roger goes with, like, Pisiak, Evans goes with McQuaid, and so, and since Chad and I played in juniors, we used to practice fighting all the time in juniors and Billings. And, and uh, so every the puck drops, and I still remember this day, we're all kind of maneuvering to line up with the guys you're going to line up and fight, right? So it, it was like completely, it was almost like choreographed, right? So, and I remember we're, because it was on the offside faceoff uh, dot on the left side of the ice on our, on our side, right? So it's our left side faceoff dot. And Chad and I line up against the boys, right? So the Maxwell's going up to Adirondack. So he's like, I'm not fighting Richard. You fight Richard. I'm like, great. I'll fight Richard. No problem. I know, I know Chad. I know we'll have a good fight. Like, I know, I know how he fights. So I have a little more, I have a little more, com- like a little more comfort level there. Right. So, you, you know, so everybody pairs off and then, uh, and then the ref comes over to us. And there's like, and I don't know if you've ever been to Louisiana where the Cajun Dome is. Yep. But it is jammed. It is awesome. It is loud. People are right on top of you. And there's like, they would get 11,000 a night. Like, it was insane. Right? And it was our biggest rival. And we would go in there. And so we're standing there. So the puck drops. Everybody pairs off except me and Chad. We're just standing beside each other, right? And then I look down and go, just like we used to do in Billings. He's like, hell yeah. So everybody's paired off and the fights are going on. And the referee's got his little notepad out. And he looks, comes over to us. And I know the referee because he used to do AJ games a couple of years ago, right? So I got, I knew him. He's like, Adams, what the hell are you two doing? And Richard looks at him, looks down at him because he's 6'6, 270. And he goes, because we're the fucking main card, and this is what the people paid to see. Chad's been on the team for about twelve hours. He just got there; it was his first game with Louisiana team. Right? <laughs> so, so the ref like just shakes his head. Jesus. Okay, fine. So the fight ends. So we go to center ice, right? And Chad goes, "We're about ten feet apart at center." He goes, "Hey." Forgot to tell you, I broke my I broke I broke my right hand. So you throw right and I'll throw left. I'm like, fine. He goes, I just don't want to I don't want to screw up my hand any more than I already have. I'm like, that's fine. Okay. A code thing, right? No problem. And you can't throw it because it's taped and you'll get like twenty games, right? So fine. So it's just a ginger so we're just gonna just kinda go toe to toe. So 
He's like, okay. So we kind of circle around. I draw, I kind of place my gloves, right? Lay it down, lay my gloves down, lay my stick down to take my helmet off, kind of twirl it in my fingers. And then I spin it, right? And this is what Gabby was talking about. And it was the perfect spin, right? Like it was level. It didn't, it just landed and it just kind of spun. The, the, the chin strap was perfect. Like it was elite. It was the best thing I ever done in my pro career. And so we end up, having this fight at center right. So we both go in and engage and he cuts me for about, oh, seven to 10 stitches in the top of my head. Right. And then I grab him with the two right uppercuts and then he comes over the top, breaks my nose, um, with a solid left. And then I kind of come underneath and I pop him two behind the ear and it kind of stunned him a little bit. And then we just kind of, and then we just, the rest came in and, and broke it up. But it took us so long, and we're doing so much goofy crap leading up to the fight, the ref kicked us out. He's like, that's for you guys thinking you're more popular than everybody else. Everybody's screaming, howling, having a good time. Richard's sitting in the ice. He goes, you hear that? That's money in your pocket. That's why you have a job. Right? Yep. <laughs> we, we get kicked out of the game. There's only 50 minutes, 50 minutes left in the entire game, you know, two periods in 10. And so I'm bleeding from the top of my head. I go into the dressing room, but in the dressing rooms in those, like they didn't, it was like basketball. I think it was a basketball arena. So the dressing rooms are really small and they're kind of interconnected. So they got chairs and shit and it's kind of awkward, but there's like three or four, like kind of little mini, like larger offices that kind of fit like eight or 10 people. So, I'm getting changed to get my top half off, kind of get some, you know, our, our, our team doctor didn't travel with us and there's nothing really you can do. So I've got some bandages from the top of my head because blood's coming down pretty good. So I got some bandages on top, take off my top gear. I do my, start to undo my skates. Stick boy comes over, right? Knock, knock, knock on the door. I open the door. Say, are you Steve Adams? I'm like, yeah. Hey, uh, Chad Richards is wondering if he could come by. And as he's asking this, I look up and there's Chad coming with a six pack and two fingers through a ring, right? <laughs> already crushing a beer because we're kicked out of the game. He's like, he's, I'm like, yeah, come on in. So Chad comes in. We go into this, this is one of these little offices, right? And we're just sitting in this, like in these little, this little conference room. And we don't, we don't hear the players come in. We don't hear. Uh, the buzzer. We don't hear any of that, right? We're just having some beers and just just catching up, really, right? We haven't seen each other in two or three years. So, all of a sudden, the door wide open. The head comes in, right? Bruce Budo's got that big round head, right? Head pops in, looks, he's like, of course this is what you're doing. Slams the door, <laughs> right? And I'm like, Oh, Chad and I kind of look at each other, and I'm like, you, uh, you got another spot on the roster for a guy? Because I think I just am going to get traded. And I guess, so Gabby doesn't even leave when uh, the team goes out for the second period. And, and I walk out of the room, and Gabby's still there, and he looks at me and goes, Adam, did you have a good time? I'm like, honestly, Coach, I didn't even think it would be a big deal. He's an old junior teammate. He's like, it isn't a big deal because you're not, you're not, unfortunately you're just not a big part of this team. 
And and I said, it's true. He goes, but you could be. But it depends on how serious you want to take it. And then I think, like, two weeks later, he traded me. <laughs> so I guess I didn't live up to my end of the bargain. Wow. But he still remembered the, the helmet toss. There you so, go. Uh, I'll I'll take that. So you got to take the good with the bad. But he tried to make me a better player. But again, I already knew I wasn't going to the NHL. So it was like, oh, let's have some fun with this. But he was a great coach and treated me with respect and challenged me to be better. And to a point, I think I let him down. Yeah. Well, it, uh, that's a hell of a story. Um, well, I know you have another one here because we'll talk. One of the teams in the league, of course, is Birmingham. We're going to talk about tough teams. Oh. Of course, they have Gary Goulash, Dennis Pinfold, yep. Kevin Pop, <laughs> and we talked mm-hmm. about Aura before. This guy certainly had yep. it, and everyone knows this name, minor league legend, Kerry Toporowski. Kerry Toporowski is one of those guys that you absolutely fear. Like, plain and simple. Yep. He's just... Like, I, like, and I love the, the Memorial Cup winning Spokane Chiefs team. Yeah, yeah. That's one of my favorite teams. The Floon and Whitney, and you know, uh, like there's just like, Steve Junker, who I've gotten to know over the last few years. Um, like, I love that. I love Kerry Toporowski. Third round pick, Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, he. Like, I don't think Kerry will ever be confused with Connor McDavid and skating, right? But he is a special kind of tough, right? Yep. And he was playing in Birmingham. You know who the goalie on that team was? No. Tim Thomas. Oh, that's right. Yes, I did notice that. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. They 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 were good, and like and, and Pinner's from my area, right? So I know him. I know him, uh, Dennis for uh, like like I knew him back in those days. I don't I don't deal with him anymore. I don't know where he is, but he was always tough, right? But Carrie's one of those guys where you have to be. Physically and emotionally aware of where Kerry Toporowski is at all times. So I get on the ice and Kerry Toporowski's there and it's an icing call and I'm playing forward at this point. So and I go down and, and we're probably, nothing's really going on. There's no fights yet. Nothing's really going on. Everybody's kind of just, the game's kind of just a little unsettled, right? And so... The puck gets dumped down into Carrie's Carrie's corner, and it's icing, right? And I'm giving chase, and it's icing. Okay, fine. It's icing. We, you know, they blow it down, right? He touches it, blows it down. And and, and I'm just sitting there going, and I'm in awe of Carrie Toporowski because of that Spokane team. Like, in the Memorial Cup, he had 119 penalty minutes, yeah. right? He was beating the wheels off of guys. Look, 505. That's no 10. That's twos and fives. Yep. Right? Playing in the Western League. Like, nobody should be able to do that and live. Right? So, so you, you go down and, 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 and so I, I go down the ice. Like, I, I give chase. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a touch icing. So they touch it, they blow it down. And so I kind of stop and cause he's going to start to come up and I don't want to cut him off and, you know, kick off something, right? Like you got to treat him with some respect, right? You give him a wide berth as we would call it. So, you know, and so I'm kind of skating beside him and, and I just told him, I'm like, Gary, 
like when I played in Vegas, you were on the IHL team. So like, oh yeah. And, and I just want to say like I'm like I'm awesome. Like like you're one of my favorite players. It's like, oh really? Huh. He's like, Are you hungry? And I'm like, What? And as I say what, he tastes because we, we basically use either wood sticks or two pieces, right? And we didn't have the composites yet. Right? They weren't they weren't readily available. But a lot of guys use the two pieces. But he still kind of used like a wood stick, right? <laughs> and, and as I say, what? He takes his blade. And the refs aren't watching or anything. And he takes his stick and he just crams the blade into my mouth. Ugh. Right? I didn't wear a visor or anything. And, and, and it's in my mouth and he goes, chew on that. And then he rips it out. And how I didn't lose any teeth because I didn't wear a mouth guard. How I didn't lose any teeth is beyond. There's a few that were loose as hell, and you just keep biting down on them to see if they'll kind of reconnect, right? But two of my molars got loose, and you just keep chomping down on. Them. Nobody saw it. Like it was just. I mean, you know, like how many times do you see in a game two guys skating back after an icing, and in the, in the and nobody's paying attention to what happens? Like there's a couple of oohs from the crowd, but like my bench didn't see it. Like their bench, I think their bench knew it was going to happen, but the refs didn't see it. And there's no video review at that time or anything else. But he cranked that fucking thing down, and he was like, "Chew on that," and then he ripped it out. And I and I got I got back to bench and just I'm bleeding pretty good. <laughs> and the guy was like, "What the hell did you say to him? I just said he was one of my favorite players." God, don't ever talk to that guy ever. <laughs> like, okay, I understand. Again, let's blame me for trying to be polite. I want to apologize, right? And but oh my God, did that hurt? And then it was like Jesus, that is. And I'm like to just have the gravitas to do that <laughs> as a guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if anybody saw it, that's twenty games, oh, right? Uh- I got I got one quick Kerry Toporowski story when he was in Vegas in the eye. You want to hear it? Absolutely. Okay, so so this is a secondhand story. So, but I got it confirmed that it's 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 true. So when he was playing in Vegas in the eye for the Las Vegas the the well, what were they called the Thunder Thunder when he was yep. playing for Vegas Thunder. So. They, they fought all the time. Like that crew, like Chris McSorley was on that team. Yep. Right? And uh, so Topper's on that team. Quinny's on that team. All these guys are good good players. Like good, it's a good hockey team, right? So they end up in this line brawl, and Topper he gets kind of run from behind and and gets into a fight. But in the run from behind, apparently, he gets, he gets his jaw broken, right? And he fights after his jaw's broken and beats the wheels off a guy, right? So they got to go to Houston. So they call up, um, they call up a guy. I think it was Raw, Rhett Tremblay. Remember Rhett Tremblay? Of course, yeah. He's from South Dude, played for the Blades. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So they called up Rhett Tremblay to come down because he was he was done, or it was near the end of the season. And they call him up on a. I think it was a 25 gamer or a five gamer at that time on you know, an ATO um, or an ATA or whatever they want to call it. But a man with your tryout contract 
and he, he either missed the plane or it got delayed. And Tromley couldn't dress. He couldn't get to Houston for the game. So Toporowski had to play. And, he, and I still remember watching on the news because I was in Vegas at the time. And he ended up fighting three times, including the third fight in a line brawl with the full bubble on, and he took the bubble off to fight. Like, his jaw was wired shut. Like, I couldn't imagine, and I, and I, and I don't, I have a pretty high pain threshold, but I can handle pain. I could not imagine a jaw wired shut, and you not only fight two guys, you end up fighting the third time in a line brawl. Right? Like, it's, it's nuts. And I, like, and I saw that, and then I heard the rest of the story from, from a couple of guys on the Thunder, and they're like, that guy is another level of, of tough. Right? And it's just, it, you just, but that's that gravitas stuff we talk about, right? Like that, that element that you can't manufacture. Either you have it or you don't. Yeah. Right. Well, but he, he was, he was scary tough. Oh yeah. Well, speaking of scary tough, uh, I won't keep you for too much longer because we've been going pretty long here, but uh, I can't let you get away without telling, of course, the following year in the old U-Haul, the United Hockey League, uh, (laughs) you play for the Mohawk Valley Prowlers. And on that team, well, first of all, it's coached by Dave DeHammer Schultz. Yes. Uh, so right yeah. there, and then on that team, of course, is leg- another minor league legendary enforcer. Oh. Well, actually, well, Andre Payet is there as well. Another tough guy yep. for the UK fans out there, um, but also Serge Roberge. Yes, yes. So I got I got down there early. So Dave the Hammer, Dave the Hammer Schultz is the coach. And you would think Dave the Hammer Schultz is like this, just by reputation, the way you see him on TV, is that he's like 6'4 and looming and all of that, right? He's like six feet tall, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. He's not, like, he's not, like, I'm just like, really? Like, I look at Larry Robinson now, and Larry Robinson still intimidates me, right? So, yep. you know, but he's 6'4, 230, right? Like, Dave the Hammer, not. Right, and he would try and teach me tricks of you know, how we used to fight in 1975. I'm like, yeah, I believe hair pulling was like option number two. So we're gonna update this. He's like, you grab him here at the collar, and I'm like, yeah, no, you really don't. Why not? Because I can do this, and then you could just like, there's way more you can do if you grab here, right? So anyway, he was a terrible coach. If you get the puck, rim it up the wall, and then it's the winger's problem. Ah, our breakout should not be considered problems. <laughs> right? Like I got benched for going end to end. It's in the newspaper. He's just yelling at me. I think my grandmother still has. She's passed now, but I think there's probably a picture of me getting yelled at for going end to end, and I'm just arguing back. But I got down there probably a month early. Uh, to camp and uh, got to hang out a little bit and it was good and I helped kind of because it was a brand new team and I kind of wanted to start getting the business side of hockey right so like, well, why don't I come in and do this and right so best part is my car broke down I don't know if you've ever been to Edmonton but I had to spend two days in Sherwood Park 
yeah. because I gave my 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 place up, so I had to rent a hotel, and I tried to get I tried to get the the team to pay for my two night stay in Sherwood Park. They're like, that is less than ten kilometers from where you live. I'm like, yes, but my car broke down. We're not paying for that. It's like sucks, but it is what it is. So. But nevertheless, they had to pay for the five-day stay in Saskatoon when my car broke down yet again. So (laughs) I got away with that. But so I got down there, and Serge Roberge comes in, right? And and, and if you remember Rinkside, right, the AHL stuff, Serge and Mario, right, the Roberge brothers. Awesome. Unbelievable, right? So Serge comes in. Serge is a big guy. Right, like, like, and just really good guy, like a good pro, like, like exactly what you would think an old retired, not retired, but like a guy on his last legs would be like, right? Just trying to teach you stuff, right? Yep. So after every pride, like we have ice, and then he was down there, and we go out at night with them and stuff, and it was great. And but he would work with stuff, uh, like. In fighting and whatnot, right? So he's like, oh, Steve, you, you try and you want to do this, and then you push him away, and then you can do this. And I was like, okay. So we, we do like an hour of just tactical stuff, right? You want to try and push this way, and then pull arm, and then come underneath, and then and then move, and then go to your right, and then, you know, and so we work and work on it. He goes, now, you got to show me something. So I'm like, okay, well, there's this, and... And I showed him a, a, a move that I was taught by by Kevin Evans, right? And Evie just taught me this little uppercut trick, right? And I ended up fucking, I, I've never been so scared in my life. Because when you fight, there's a mentality, right? If you go in with kind of this, ah, yeah, we'll see what happens, you're going to get your head kicked in, right? The only time I've been knocked out is when I know I'm going to get my ass kicked, right? So, and I caught him. Right on the right underneath the nose, like right on the cartilage, and I caught him, and his nose started bleeding. And I'm like, "Oh God!" In that instant, oh, right. It's the the the, ro- the feeling you get on that roller coaster over the first hump, right? <laughs> yeah. Your stomach drops out of your. Like, it was like, "Oh God, I'm going to get murdered right now." I'm not mentally ready for this, right? And he looks at me, he starts bleeding. He goes, "That's your that's your first one." I'm like, okay. He goes, you know how many you get? I'm like, he's like, one. I'm like, okay. Okay, now come in. I'm like, I don't want to come in. I don't want to try this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Show me that again. I'm like, no, I'm I'm really good with that. So the season gets going, right? And we are not very good, to say the least. And uh, (laughs) we go out after our first game against Bingo, against Binghamton. And uh, we have a home and home, and and we go to the bar, or whatever. And Robert is there. Serge is like, Stevie, you and me are going to fight a lot this year. I'm like, yeah, because the other guys haven't come down yet, right? And so the other guys haven't. We went through something like 68 players, including myself, on that team, right? Uh, it was insane. Like it, like it was just nuts. One of my one of my buddies ended up staying there. Dan McCall. He ended up staying there the whole year. And it was just an absolute gong show, right? Guy, like he would call me and be like, "Yeah, we had 13 new players this week. We cut 14." Like it was nuts, 
right? Guys would come in and leave. Because I won't even introduce myself to somebody that hasn't been here for for uh, for for at least five games. <laughs> but he goes, he goes, Stevie. When we go, when we go to, uh, we go, we go, we go play game. Because mm-hmm. I don't fight other Frenchmen. You fight them. I'll fight the English. I'm like, I'm like, okay. Okay, that's your thing. And I said, okay. Now, how bad do you want me to beat up the Frenchman? He's like, well, so that they never want to fight me because I don't like fighting our, my countrymen. <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're from Quebec. You're not from France. Right? Like, I'm like, okay. So I ended up fighting, fighting a kid. He was an English-speaking kid. We were in bingo the next night. I got a five-game suspension, adding the rivalry. I skated off the ice with the commissioner in the stands in the United League, <laughs> flipping the bird to everybody and yelling, "Go back to your shanties!" Right? <laughs> get your get your five games. I would like to point out, though, that when we went back to play in uh, in, uh, in in Utica, that. There is over 700 people that bought tickets after that. So I don't exactly know how I got suspended, yet somehow I ended up helping sell 700 travel tickets to come to Utica. There's nobody in bingo is going, oh, man, can't wait to get to Utica for tonight's game, right? So, but I get suspended. So, but I ended up fighting, um, I ended up fighting an English guy. Uh, in that game in Bingo where I got suspended. And Serge comes over and he's like, Stevie, in the intermission, comes over to Stevie, I fight Englishmen. You fight French. And I'm like, oh, I, can you, okay, from now on, we go through the roster and you tell me who I can and cannot fight. He's like, okay, that's a deal. I'm like, gee, it's like, I'm like, I now know how the UN feels. Of trying to get something done, <laughs> it was like really like we can't like I go oh no no sorry can't Serge you want to take him no I don't want to fight him okay well wait, 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 wait. <laughs> okay what are we doing here great guy yeah. actually the cool part when Calgary made a big run in the playoffs they brought Serge Robert into Calgary oh when the uh, the crazy coach for Calgary uh, French guy uh, used to coach Philadelphia Phantoms. Uh, in Atlanta Thrashers, and I forget his oh, name. Oh, Hartley. Anyway, they, he, yeah, Hartley brought in Serge Robert to teach all the guys how to fight. Yep. In Calgary that year, yep. had one of the best seasons. Yep. Right, and I and I saw Serge out there, and he, Serge was like, must have been in his late fifties, and he is just manhandling these NHL guys still to this day. Yep. Right, and I was like, that's exactly what it should look like, and but he was. He was so awesome and, you know, just a little peculiar with who I could and couldn't fight, right? Yeah, Canada, and, Canada, the divided yeah. country in the Mohawk Valley dressing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. It actually was. But he, he, was, he, would, he would sit with you, at, at, you know, whether it was me in my early 20s, uh, going into my mid-20s at that point, um, or one of our 20-year-old, 21-year-old kids fresh out of university or or one of our Western League guys. 
or OHL guys, and he would just sit with us and 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 talk about being a pro, right? Like in the in the heyday of minor pro hockey. Yep. Right. Yep. Those late eighties, early nineties, like that, that. That was like you were famous. Like you were legitimately famous in that town, right? Yep. And uh, but he was great. Like I, he was. He's one of those guys. He's one of those guys you miss not connecting with now, right? Yeah. Like that. That was one of my things because that would be a guy I would love to just sit down and catch up with. Right? Yeah. And what a, I mean, what a, what a, I mean, what a legend! And like, like you said, watching oh. that guy fight—he's just a technician. I mean, if that dude's showing you how yeah. to fight, that's like going to church, man. Yes. Yeah. It is. It is. It is. It is a master's class in because again, not gigantic, nope. right? But you know, not a huge guy. Mario's crazy. His his brother. Yeah. They 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 he's crazy. Um, he doesn't give a crap, but Serge was like a pure technician, right? And but it is like on church from a from learning that Kevin Evans was the same way, yep. right? Like Evie had 648 penalty minutes as a 20 year old in the eye with with yep. like 18 goals, pro record. Right? Yep. And he weighs 100, yeah, and he he's five eleven, five ten, one seventy, right? But you can't hit him, yep, right? But pure technician, and and he won more than he lost, and you know. But it's but learning from Serge, like that was like when you go back to when I was in Vegas, or you know, like, like even in Mississippi. If I would have gotten that guy in you know in junior, my twenty year old year, nineteen year old year, right, teaching, that that would have been a huge boost of confidence. And try sometimes you got to figure out stuff on your own too, right? Yeah, which is always hard. And, well, because it's gonna it's but, gonna be hard because it's gonna be painful. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's just that. Like, like I know you're gonna have uh, I think Steve Parsons on coming up, and yep. and I and Steve lived with me for a while, and, and and Steve again, big genetics on him, right? Big big hands, right? Good balance, right? Tough, the the right mentality. But he taught me a lot about fighting, right? We we go to West Edmonton Mall and. And and work on that stuff and, and be on the ice because one of our friends worked at the mall. And we get we get ice and and Pinfold would be out there and a lot of guys would be out there and they, Parsons and I would work on that stuff. Scary, right? scaring the shoppers of West Edmonton Mall. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. But it was. And you wanted to fight when the movies came out, right? Because all the girls would come out of the movies, so you figured that was the way. Hey, look at me! They beat the crap out of each other. Yeah, you know, like I don't know how exactly that worked in our thought process of you know wheeling girls, but apparently that is what we all thought. Um, Chicks dig the top. It, I mean, it, yeah, it didn't work for any of us ever, but <laughs> it is what it is. It's a lesson learned. It's a it's a deep lesson learned. But you know, like there's a there, if I may make a suggestion, a guy you'd like, and I don't know if you've ever uh, talked to him before. But uh, Terry Lindgren, yes, yep, former captain of Red Deer Rebels, yep, one of the best captains the Red Deer Rebels have ever had. Uh, I, I grew up with, like, didn't grow up with Terry, but played against Terry most of my life and played with him in Louisville. He's a fireman now in in Florida. Yeah, um, uh, he would be. He'd have some great stories playing for the Kentucky Thoroughblades and you know being being in the, being in the Western League at that time, right? 
and going in as a 16 year old and i mean just unbelievable um uh an unbelievable storyteller and 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 just he would have some and played everywhere right yeah and uh, he'd have some great stories as well. Well, man, I mean, you've had some great stories here, and I mean, you bounced around oh. the minors, and you told us some great stories from junior, and you have, we've got some topper and some surge stories. Um, no, it's, yeah. been, it's been really great. Like you said, you 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 saw the you saw the states on someone else's dime, and uh, and and, yeah. you, and you got to like you said, you got to play pro hockey, and uh, but. Now you, I know you've been a scout for many years, and then you're yep. also running the Inside Edge Hockey Development. And uh, what's that yep. all about? Well, we, when I actually when I got out of playing in uh, Abilene, um, well, I, I was going to say Abilene in the Western Pro League, you played like twenty some games, yep. and the team folded. Correct? Yes. Yeah. And, and then, and then I got, I got, yeah, I got picked up. I don't know if they had an expansion draft or whatever it was. But I got picked up by a team, and I was just like, I was done. Yeah. Like, like it was just, it was time. Um, I didn't want to be 28, 29, 30 years old going, okay, what do I do with the rest of my life? Right? Yeah. And um, that, that just wasn't how I wanted my life to go. So I came back, and and I and I talked to a couple of my buddies that just recently retired from hockey, and, and they said, take a full year off. Don't do any hockey. So it was like in January. I fold like like our team folded, and then I was back in Edmonton for uh, New Year's, and uh, so I basically took the rest of that year off and just kind of healed the body. Right, yep. I started working and met my wife at my work, and um, married two kids, and it's been awesome. Right, and uh, but really worked on um, healing my hands and my knees and my back and shoulders. It, it's a it's a punishment to to play that 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 role, right? And there's there's a lot that takes out of it. So I started scouting um, the following spring, and uh, and about six, six about six months later, like April May, I started uh, I started scouting for Brooks in the AJHL, and uh, and so more for them, and then. And then I worked for different teams, and and then what I ended up starting to do is start to coach, and I didn't like how a lot of these kids were really unprepared um, to go to junior, and the, most of them struggled with skating, and, and I've taken enough power skating courses to run my own course, and and so it was okay. Let's let's work on you know let, let's put a hockey school together. So I can work with this. So my very first hockey school, I think I had 20 or I had less than 20 kids in the whole camp, right? It was 10 hours a day or it was 10 hours or 10 days. Um, it was, it was 10 hours and then another 10 hours. So it was a 20 hour camp over 10 days. And, uh, and we didn't give the day off. So they went the weekends too. And then it morphed into a couple of camps and then, a pro can and so we've been we've been doing it now almost eighteen years. Um, so I don't I don't like working with um, like the NHL guys and those we used to have them. I, I don't find it I don't find it enjoyable for me. Like there's what am I going to do with you know a three hundred game pro player? 
right at 26. Yeah. You are what you are. Yep. I'm not going to change what you're going to be. But I can change, I can change the fortunes of a 14 year old kid, right? I'm good enough and I have enough will, willingness to put my time in to help fix you, whether it's skating or whatever it is. It isn't just a camp and come and uh, give me your money and leave. It's I'm on these guys every day, right? And, you know, go over video and like I have a player that's playing in the BCHL and he, uh, he's got an inner squad game. He's going to get the video and then we're going to go over a bloody inner squad game every shift to see what he did well and he didn't do well. Right? Like, who else does that? And, you know, and he's 18, 17, 18 years old. And so, so for me, it's like, I like changing the futures of, of these young kids where, yeah, you know what? You don't need a ton of money to be successful. But one of the biggest differences between, say, like my generation or our generation and, and the kids today is that <clears throat> they don't know really how much work is involved to go to the next level. Right? Like they don't they don't see it. They don't they don't grind. We don't prepare them enough to get them ready for whether it's life, work, whatever it is. Right? Like you know, it's like we don't prepare them to to be ready mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever it is. Like kids go and they're like, Oh man, I didn't know it was gonna be that hard to move away from my friends and family. Oh man, I don't know I don't know if I can do that. Oh man, the coach put me out with three minutes left in the third third period in the junior game. Uh-huh. Well well he must want me to fight. You're not allowed to fight for the last ten minutes of the third period. I'm not quite sure what you're worried about. Yeah. Right? So you know, so they don't understand that mentality. But like you said when we talked before, they haven't grown up with it either. No. Right? And and they they've missed that. And it's because it's not on a TSN sports center, you know, highlight reel for a minute and twenty seconds. They can't understand it. But they struggle with well, why isn't it working out? Well, it's not my fault. The coach this and the coach that and it's like you know what? And I look at all these coaches now having all these Zoom meetings with players. and So how are you preparing them? None of these kids care about your team motto. Yeah. You know what they care about? They're 15, 16 years old. How many junior teams have you talked to them about? Right? Like, where are they going to play next year? That's all what they're worried about. So that's where, that's where this all started for me was I can do more for a player in a day than most coaches will do for a player in a year. And it's nothing against those coaches. And some of them are my friends. But it's like, you, the reason you're coaching is because you, you kind of want to help players. But you're, you want something to do in your day, right? Yeah. Uh, me, this is my job. And my job is to know people and and, and be able to move kids on and, and help them. Whether it's to play at Quinnipiac University or play at Kamloops Blazers or, or to play at Brock University, U of A or wherever, I don't care. Right, like I'll, I'll help you as much as you want to help yourself. But what what you find is that there's a lot of players that don't. They want to blame a lot of people, but they don't want to help themselves very much. And that's that's why for us, a lot of kids don't don't want to come here. To be honest with you, 
Like they really don't want to come here, which is fine, right? They're like, oh, it's too intense. You you ask too like you ask too much. Like I ask kids, what time did you go to bed? What did you have for breakfast? Right? Like, what, what? How much water have you drank? Like, these are things I need you to understand. I need you to get better because at the end of the day, you're the guy who's going to be standing in that coach's room, and that coach is going to tell you you made it or you didn't. Right? But now, like, I don't know about you, but I never wanted a call from my coach in the summer because if that call came, it was like, hey, we've traded you. <laughs> It was not. Hey, how are you doing? How how's everything going? It was like, yeah, uh, we don't like you, so we're going to move you on. Oh, okay, thanks, appreciate it. Right, and, and you know, and that's the thing. So that that's how we really started this. And we have a gym, and we do on ice, and we do off ice, and you know, we use Dr. Jason Galea as a, as a sports psychologist. He's He's worked with U.S. Navy SEALs and a bunch of pro athletes, and he's a he's a teacher at uh, San Diego State University. And, you know, so we try and make sure that these kids have all the access to being better. But at the end of the day, you have to want to be better every day. If you don't want to come to the gym on a Saturday because you want to hang out with your buddies, well, get used to hanging out with your buddies because that's what you're going to be doing all winter. Yep. And that's where that's where a lot of them struggle and fail, and they don't understand. Like it's not my fault, really. I can tell you exactly why it's your fault. I can pinpoint the exact time it became your fault. And but as an adult, you get that you get that experience, and as <laughs> kids, you don't want to listen to that experience. Yeah. So yeah. Well, wow. Yeah. When you're a teenager, you know everything, right? We like to think we do. Oh well, yeah, and then what? What? Yeah. As you become an adult and you look back on it, you know you didn't know shit. But you know, yeah, yeah. So that's, and that becomes and that and that becomes the difference, right? So I mean, for what for like in regards to this podcast, what's great about it is that these kids, hopefully, some of them look up Trevor Joe, or they look up Toporowski, and they look up, you know, like Serge Robert. Right, look those guys up and and just go, Jesus, those guys. But and then, but look, they can play too. Toprowski could still play. He had five hundred five pounds. He had twenty eight points as a D man. Yep. Right. Like, like he spent like seven games in the box. Yep. Right. Like you know, people don't they don't understand how they, the worst NHL player was an all star in junior. Well, he was the best player on his bad team. You know, like yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like like it's like it's not like Mark Letestu played for me in Bonneville when I was an assistant coach. Yep, and Testy's a fourth line center. Letestu could go and score a goal at will in the AJHL. Yep, right. I think he had back to back fifty goal seasons. Right, like it's it's insane. Like, oh, he's terrible. Not in junior, he wasn't. Oh, and in college, he only played one year, and he led the conference in scoring. Right? And then, oh, in the American League, his second year, he had 55 points. Right? It's more than Tyler Benson had. Right? Like, it's rolls, you know, right? And, and it's so he, yeah. Yeah, it is, you're great on faceoffs, and you can pass. You can't skate. He's never an elite-level skater. He gets around okay, but he's not elite. Right? And so, but he's like, oh, he's brutal. Like, yeah, look what he did in Bantam. Look what he did in Midget. Look what he did in... There's so few players that play in the NHL that were bad and then made it. 
Okay? Yeah. They did. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when people go, oh, he's terrible or he's garbage or he's whatever, I said, yeah, and you know what? He's probably still better than your kid will ever be. Exactly. <laughs> I can tell you. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah, Zach Sartini is a bad NHL player. But he was a really, he was a point of game guy in the OHL. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, your kid can't make the Western League with 23 bloody teams on it. Yeah. Right? Your kid can't be a point of game guy in Bantam or Midget. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure why any that kid, oh, my kid could do that. No, your kid can't. Yeah. I guarantee you he can't. You know, and it's like, Zach Sartini can't do it for a long projected season in the NHL. Right? So, you know, those are always the, the, the interesting parts that, that, that as parents, you get a little bit of parent blinding on. And, and it's something that we work on with our parents. Like, listen, this is, none of you are going to the NHL. Hate to break it to you. Right? And, and, you know, it's like, but it, hockey, if you're good enough, hockey can pay for school. Yeah. In Canada or the U.S., it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you want to be a bricklayer or, or a, a scientist. I don't care. But as you can walk away from school with little to no debt, you're in a huge advantage over everybody else. Yep. Huge. Yep. You, things are getting less expensive. Things are getting more expensive. So, you know, work work towards those goals. And that's where a lot of, that's where a lot of kids and parents struggle with it. Well, I only want to go here. Okay. Well, if you only want to go there and it's going to cost you $60,000 U.S. a year to go to school, that's almost, that's going to be $400,000. And you're not going to, say, like Princeton or Harvard or wherever. You could go to a better Canadian school for 10. No. Right? Like, so we try and educate parents. You don't check your ego at the door because you want to go play in the East Coast League from CIS or Division One college hockey, that's fine. But most kids don't want to. Get to 22, 23 years old, most guys don't want to. Oh, I do have one other suggestion for you. I know one of your podcasts is thinking about guys that um, played in, like, the Western League or junior, like, junior, like major junior and, and did a lot of fighting and then didn't go on to pro. They just kind of left it. Yep. And I think you've already, well, two suggestions. I think you probably already had him on. I, I want to say you had him on fairly early in your podcast. Uh, Kent Staniford. I did, yep. Out of, yeah. But there's another one, Ryan Rehill. Okay. He was a tough guy for Kamloops and one of the toughest guys in the Western League. And, he, and you know, he, he just, I think he stopped playing in 2016. He's at U of A. And he, he's, he's a captain of U of A. But he would have some great stories about guys as well. Um, get, some, get some new yeah, age, just, get some new age flavor on here. Yeah, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll have to look him yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, he he's got some great fights on on YouTube. Um, but like, he would have some kind of the new age stuff too, right? Yeah, and, and a different and a kind of a different path as well. I'll have to definitely look into that. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, but hey, I want to thank you for everything. Honestly, like this was this. I love what you do. I think it's I think it's tremendous. I think it I think for the younger younger people or people that don't that don't really follow this, I think it's an opportunity to kind of learn what what the job was because it's dying. It doesn't exist anymore. Yep. Right? 
So yep. listening to the guys talk about it is it's important. It's it's to to understand that it's a lonely existence. It's not one where the you know, and one thing I'll say about it is that at no point on the team with the job that I did did I ever feel a huge part of the team. There's teams I got along with, but at no point did I ever feel like I was a, a major cog in it. And I can see why a lot of guys go down a dark, winding tunnel. And talking to guys that have done the job as well, you know, that were strictly like me, not there for any point production, but they're just to be put on a show and sell tickets, you can go down a dark path very easily. Yep. Because it is lonely. You don't feel a part of the team. You know, it, you, it's nobody can relate to, to what you do. And, and so there's, there's a lot of anxiety. And I know PJ Stock talked about it. I know Brian Vanderbush has talked about it. Uh, even Coaster's talked about it. You can, you can go down, and those guys are way tougher than I'll ever be. But you can, there is a lot of anxiety to it. And, and it's good for, you know, not just people like me, but the younger kids to, to know, like, man, that's a hard job. Yep. That's not an easy job. And it's not MMA. It's not, it's not that. It's, it's a different kind of animal. And, and, and I want to, I want to say thank you for that because I think it's, I think it's really cool what you do. And, uh, and in giving a voice to some people that a lot of people don't know, they don't know my story, but they don't know a lot of the stories out there. Right? No, they don't. And, and like, I and I appreciate it. And like I said, what I was saying to you before we got going, it's like I think a lot of times, you know, with the history and like this type of role and the type of player, um, you know, a lot of people nowadays they want to put that in the closet. No, we don't talk. That's hockey's dark yep. time. We don't talk about that. And I always said that's bullshit. It's like no, we should talk about it because if anything in life, you should always learn from history. Right, and I don't. You should yeah. never just uh, erase it. So, no, I want people to learn about you guys and the roles you went through and the things you did, and uh, the ups and downs of the job and and what goes into it. I mean, it's more than as fans. I think a lot of times people just watch the YouTube clips or on Twitter or whatever, see yeah. the pictures, and they get desensitized to it, and they don't think of real, the real consequences and the real people that it's a, that's involved. Yeah. So it's, it's, that's why I like with this show is to get guys like yourself on that have done it and hear what you went through. And like you said, the anxieties and the highs and lows and, and the learning and the teaching of it and, and the respect level of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, and, and most of the guys are so good. They, 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 they what they always call the unwritten rule being a tough guy. Yeah. Right. But it is, but it's there, and and you know when you break the rule, and, and I think everybody's broken the rules before, but you don't do it very often, and you don't do it willingly, yeah. right? And there's some guys that do, but they're they're out of the club, right? Like I yeah. never considered myself a heavyweight, and I didn't have the size. I wasn't, you know, Jody Murphy or or Angelstad or Scorgi or any of those guys, right? Like those guys were at another level, right? Like, like I'm in the group with you know a lot of guys and I was like okay hey, this is just the job and you know and it's it's a big brother effect it isn't you know like, I don't come from an era where you can get it on YouTube right like I got two fights on YouTube that's yep. what my kids get to see dad do right and it's like okay well there wasn't a lot of goals there either right so it's like oh okay 
Right, I got one one game from junior. I ended up with fifty three penalty minutes. <laughs> that's all they got. They're not a lot of not a lot of me working on a, a cross ice sauce pass, right? So, you know, and I always tell my players same thing. It's like your roles will change, right? My roles have changed every in junior, Bantam, goal scorer, and then midget, no more of a checker, and then you fighter, and then you end up in Milton. You know, in Billings, you end up with lightning in a bottle, right? And uh, you know, so things will change, but kids now. They're so adverse to change, they don't understand. Well, I'm going to puck moving defenseman. Okay, not at the next level you are, right? People forget Adam Foote was over a point a game defenseman. Yeah, he never got more. He got 29 points one year. Yep, he was a shutdown guy at the pro level, right? Like, you know, nobody drafts Adam Larson to be a second pairing shutdown defenseman, sixth overall. You don't draft six overall to be a number four guy. You draft six overall to be a number one guy, right? And and you got to remember the Swedish coach at that time, who I'm a big fan of, said he's further ahead than, um, I think it was Victor Hedman at the same age. Yeah, I don't think that's lived up to the, to the hype. I don't think that translated, right? Like, so like, your your role is going to change. What you were in junior or what you were in Bantam, what you were in midget is going to change. It's going to evolve, and there's an ebb and flow to it. And very few players are like, are goal scorers through minor hockey, and then goal scorers in junior, and then goal scorers a pro. Very, very few. Yep. And that's where a lot of kids struggle. Yeah. And I think society struggles with that. And, oh, my God, change. And i got to move. And I have a kid that won't. Well, not me, but I know a kid that won't move to go away to play junior hockey. So you ask him, what do you want? Well, I want a Division One scholarship. Okay. You live in Alberta. You have to move significantly far to to do that. And you're 18 years old. Yep. Well, I'll move when they offer. What if they offered you this year to go next year? Well, I'd go. Okay, what if this team traded you to go to... You know, BC or Saskatchewan. Well, I wouldn't go. Why? Well, it's too far away from home. Oh, okay. But so you'll move to Boston, but you won't move to Weyburn. No. Oh, okay. Right? Like they, they don't have a common sense that they don't understand how stupid they sound sometimes. No. Right? And and it takes, it, it, and sometimes you got to call them out on it, and then they go, oh, you know what? That is dumb. It doesn't make any sense. But I understand it makes sense in your head. But then when you verbalize it, it comes out as being just completely stupid. So, you know, like that that's that that's a lot of what I try and do, but it's also one of those things where sometimes kids gotta hear that too, right? And they can hear it on a podcast like this, you know, and go, Okay, well, great. I'm gonna look those guys up and I'm gonna understand the job and I'm gonna understand that my life is gonna change if I do this. And it might be for the better. It can be for the worse, right? Yeah. It's a flip of a coin sometimes. Yep. So, so like I said, I want to thank you. Like, it was awesome. I don't do a lot of podcasts because it's just not my thing, but this, this is awesome. Well, like I said, thank you very much for coming on. It was great. I loved, uh, loved talking to you. Glad we finally got to uh, connect and get it on. I know we've yeah. talked about it for a while, but uh, no, definitely. Thank you very much. All right, man. Thanks, sir. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. 
and you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 